Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. I know, I just still want to take a picture. I think you said. I can't tell you. I think of you a lot, too. Oh, oh boy. Hey, Bernie, do you hear anything about the toilet? What's that? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. We have Fred. Hey. We have Chris. What's up, guys? And we have first time on the show, the legendary Burke Hammer. Hello. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Thank you again for taking the time to come on our show here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So this is episode number 79, Burke Hammer. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's a lot of episodes. 79. Yeah. That takes a lot. Every of work. week. Every week. Haven't missed a week so far. That's and a big is, commitment. And the pay is rubbing right it there. in my face. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you only missed one, Kevin, so you're not, you're not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> I don't even know which one it was that I missed. Oh, yeah. Fred Provost. The Fred Provost. <laughs> <laughs> the one where we're like, oh, crap. I need to get someone on the show. <laughs> Nick's like, I just spoke to Fred. I'm like, I just spoke to Fred. <laughs> so how's everyone's week been? Who wants to go first? Mm. I'll go first. There you go. I've never gone first yet. All right. All right. So let's see. My week or kind of two weeks, but mm-hmm. so I get back from vacation. Yeah. Went on a week vacation well, with the family. Real quick. Where'd time. you go? Where'd you go on the cruise? What cruise How you dare went? you? We went to mm-hmm. Grand Cayman, Ooh. Mexico, Jamaica, and Bahamas. Oh, wow. So it was pretty much everywhere. It was really cool. Seven days, had a good time. Mm-hmm. Had some heli withdrawals, you know, for no helis for seven days. <laughs> good and bad, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, all right. So I get back and my field that I fly at is literally 100 yards from my work. So I could charge up five, four batteries at work, go fly at lunch, mm-hmm. actually go get lunch, eat lunch, and then go back. Um, and it's probably a quarter mile from my house. So I could literally pick up, go fly, come right back, you know, within an hour if I ever mm-hmm. wanted. So been super spoiled. So long story short is I get back and the field that I fly in is completely full of brand new cars. So uh, our local dealer, Rick Hendrick, um, sold a couple of dealerships. Long story short is the new guy said, told the Chrysler dealer that you can't park our cars here anymore. So they had moved 500 cars or something onto my helicopter field. I say mine. I didn't own it. I just kind of flew over it. So I was gonna say, did they ask you first, or no? They they should have. But it's rumor around everywhere. I still hear it for the last two weeks. Uh, hey, it sucks for you. You lost your field. You know, everybody would drive by and beep and yell and scream and stuff. But so you know, me and a couple of local guys here are looking for a field. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna try to find something to rent. Oh um, boy, that sucks. You know, yeah, it completely sucks. I mean, if it was a mile away or two miles, would be a big deal because I can we can find places to fly. But it just sucks as that was literally, you know, the most convenient thing ever. And I remember saying, I've said it for years, man, if we ever lose the spot, I'm going to cry. So I've, I, I shed a little tear, man. It sucks. <laughs> Damn. But anyway, helicopter related. Um, I did fly. We have a new field. It, you know, not a new field, but I found a new spot to fly. It. Mm-hmm. It's wide open and it's, it's got no trees. So I got to Maiden. I say Maiden. I flew the new um, Scorpion Tribunus 200 nice. in my logo. And in my Black Thunder T, mm-hmm. and that thing is absolutely amazing. Just from setup to flight, super simple. The telemetry in it is badass. 
that's just awesome with the the back and forth with the V bar, uh, the, the V control, the telemetry back and forth, everything's awesome, mm-hmm. and it flies good. Can't complain. So temperatures were good. Everything, you know, haven't really adjusted anything yet, but didn't have to. So um, any issues with uh, static? No, that I did. I've been talking to talk to Scorpion a couple times, mm-hmm. kind of worried about the static on the Mikado. Yes. Um, I did take the ground wire. So mm-hmm. for anybody's listen, if you have a logo with a Tribunus 200 or anything, I think they're saying, but with yeah. that, you know, that setup specifically is. Take the ground wire off because I said there's no reason there should be a static wire going to the motor that's going to go to the ESC. That's what they're saying was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a real isolated situation. So, And you spray the belt down with some static spray. Um, you get it for like 10 bucks on Amazon or anywhere. So I sprayed the belt, flew it. I think I got six battery packs through it with the new ESC. Of course, no issues. Um, awesome. The Black Thunder, same thing, no issues. What else? I flew some Nitro. And Nitro is my first love, man. I'm... Every time I fly that nitro, I'm like, there is no reason I should have any other helicopters. <laughs> like I really, you know, I would not feel bad today selling every helicopter other than my Black Thunder 700 or my Black Thunder 650. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it flies that good, man. Maybe it's just tuned right and it's just in its groove. But um, yeah, like I said, if I had to keep one helicopter today, that'd be it. So <laughs> nice. So that being said, I got my little 570 nitros has been sitting on the back burner forever. So I think I might I might actually part with that thing think that might go up for sale here in the next couple of days just to um just because i don't fly it because of that 650 being so good so is that it. the one steve flew yes mm-hmm. yep yep oh there you go steve it's fun it really is but it's it um i just it's just i don't know i, I don't need i hate to say i don't need it it's really cool flies amazing flies good i just love that 650 i don't know <laughs> all the cool, planets awesome. are aligned perfectly on that machine so mm-hmm. so steve if you'd like a new nitro we can work something out um who's next i could go next so i flew on sunday we flew at a new field well not really a new field but it's a field that i've flown a couple years back uh we basically we had a tfr or no tam up here in this area so this weekend we weren't able to fly because uh we had a vip tfr so because the president's visiting his house in new jersey Basically, you know, we're not able to fly at our, our club field. So, what does TFR stand for? Throw that effing radio. <laughs> um, I don't know what that stands for. But something I, flight anyway. restriction, isn't it? Oh, oh. yeah. Total um, flight restriction. Yeah. Total recall. Because um, the Trumpinator was up and around. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, yeah, we had fun at this new field. This was it was really nice. It was um. It's a little bit of a drive. It's probably not much different. It's probably actually a little bit shorter than driving to our field. But, yeah. um, you know, we drove north, um, about 40 miles north or so like that. And yeah, it was nice. I think it's going to be our kind of our backup, you know, whenever the president wants to visit, we'll go up there. So, yeah. Uh, besides that, I, uh, I had a cracked screen on my, f- I charger 4010 from the, from our event. Our, one of the, the speaker fell on my charging case and cracked my, my little LCD screen on my charger. So today I got that in and I want to thank Buddy RC, um, buddyrc.com. They, they're the only site that I, I found that had them in stock and I ordered it and like two days later got it. So that was awesome of them. Your screen for your charging case, you mean? Screen for my charger. Replacement? Yeah, Yeah, for the the iCharger 4010, yeah. 
So oh, okay. I, I got that replaced. And while I was, well, you know, while I had the thing apart, I'm like, you know, I've been wanting to paint this charger for a while. And I, I've never really had the opportunity because I'm always like, Oh, I'm always charging. You know, I'm always prepping badges for the weekend. So why do I want to take it offline for a while? Since I, it's all apart anyways, I painted it. It kind of looks like a, what's the other model? It's not a 4010, but it's like a 308. So it's basically, yeah, it's yeah. black and orange. Because I like the orange. Um, the orange is kind of my new, like, favorite color. And I like, I like the black look. So it actually matches my rigid case perfectly. So for the folks that know what a rigid case is, it's that black with the orange. It like matches it perfectly. So, uh, but yeah, that's about it for me, I guess. Who's next? Kevin? 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 Somebody steal Kevin? And then there was Kevin. Kevin, unmute your microphone. He's listening to us. He just wants to, us to talk about him and catch us. All right, I guess I'll go. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry>. Fred. <laughs> uh, uh, and Sorry short. about that. Oh, see, that's, uh, that's all it took. You lost your time. You're yeah, done. as soon as Fred started talking, he was like, sorry, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Good Ken. job, Fred. Okay, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, I, I had to go get something real quick. Um, okay. Do you want me to go or do you want to go, Fred? No, no, go ahead. You hurt his feelings. All right, so, yeah, we flew on Sunday. We couldn't fly in Jersey because of the president was golfing or something. I don't know what, what he does. Yeah, Steve, um, Steve already said that. Yeah. Uh, I flew a few things. I crashed one thing. I tried to fly a plane, Fred, and I said try because uh, Steve had a different power setup on his um, ah. on his twisted hobbies crack beaver, and I didn't take notice of that until I put a two S battery in there, and I was like, I'm full throttle, and why is this thing barely moving? Uh, mm-hmm. So I got to change the power system out from mine and put it in that, and it'll be hopefully be back to the way it was. But yeah, and I crashed the oxy uh, once, and then. I tried to hover it again immediately, and it was it was hovering okay, and then it <laughs> yeah. just was like it was like no, I'm not hovering anymore, and it just slammed itself back on the ground. It was funny as hell. It's like it just wanted no part of flying, so I got I got to fix that. But uh, yeah, I had a good time up there. It was hot though, man. Freaking, it was. I I think I was having a little uh, heat stroke or something. By the time I got the total, I was like pff, yeah. wiped out. I didn't didn't even want to have dinner. I was like so hot. Yeah, but me then, too. Mm-hmm. With all my craziness during during the work week, man, and work and all this crap going back and forth, I got got home and I got a a letter from my first letter in my entire life from Australia is from Mark Ritchie. Aside from the 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 letter that he sent me, man, uh, telling me you know about how up how he uh. Hopes we keep up the podcast and we're doing a good job. And they all enjoyed him and his buddies in Australia at the uh, at the Daca Bin uh, Club, the QRCHA. Uh, he sent us some pilot stickers, some like vinyl pilot stickers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. seven each. Uh, and uh, did he send any for my helicopters? Yeah, when you get them, he said he'll send them. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't he, he don't worry, he, Fred. You got a care package coming. He wants pictures of Fred's helicopters, and then he'll send you something. No, I'm only kidding. No, but I just wanted to say, Mark, thank you so much, man. You didn't have to do that. Um, but, man, I appreciate it. I definitely will be using these, and I'll pass the ones that you gave for Steve on to Steve. And So that's it, man. 
All right, that's a night. Have a good night, guys. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Fred? Oh, well, um, like I said, mine's short. I bought a 3D printer. Yes. Flight test one, too, uh, right? The one that they sell. Mm -hmm. It's evil. Uh, It was like six screws, literally. uh, Dude, the box is huge. Yeah, the box is pretty big, but that's because the whole thing was assembled already. You only had to put the upright on the uh, horizontal, and and then you were done. Uh, went through the setup that they had in the episode and took mm-hmm. a little bit longer than the episode. I stopped and reviewed a couple of things. But, man, I tell you, I was printing right away. I was pr- I, I got it, opened it up, had it printing, and, and had my first print completed in probably you know an hour. That's awesome, awesome man. Yeah, yeah it, it was impressively quick and easy. Um, I'm learning a lot of stuff. Uh, that's probably going to be in a whole episode in itself um, about slicers and scaling and mm-hmm. uh, resolution. I'm not going to go into it now. I said I was going to keep it short, but yeah, that's that's been my adventure. Nice. What kind of what size filament does that take? Is it three mil or is it like one point seven five? Nice. Right? I'm glad. Okay. Cool. I actually prefer the one point seven five. Mine takes the three mil and you got to run it pretty hot. Well, the funny thing is, a friend of mine that, you know, when we were kids, I mean, he was always into the RC cars. He had the lunchbox and all the grasshopper mm-hmm. and all those uh, ones. And, uh, you know, but he got out of it. He completely got out of the hobby, got into full-size cars. And, uh, you know, we pl- flew planes for a little while back in the, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, but it didn't it didn't last. And uh, just, we, of course, didn't talk about RC for a while. And then, you know, he saw my picture of my printer up there. He started asking questions, but I was like, oh, what's he know? Yeah, he's got he's got like industrial sized 3D printer at the house that he does uh, work for his job with. Jeez. Yeah, he uh, he was he was well beyond where I'm at. Nice, cool. And that's it. That that wraps up my my hobby week. Awesome. All right, so let's just go right into the main topic here. Okay. So Bert, uh, we kind of want to first uh, get to know you a little bit, and you know, get our listeners to know you. So, how long have you been in the hobby? Oh my God, I started when I was like 12 years old and you don't want to know what year that was, but that was a, that was, that was a long time ago. I could say it was over 30 years ago. Okay. And, uh, I started with airplanes. Um, my first airplane was a Falcon 56, um, which for the people that have been in the hobby long enough, they know what that is. It was just a kit. And I remember I put it together as a 12 year old kit. It was a gift from a good friend of the family, like a friend of my, like a friend of my parents was mm-hmm. a hobbyist and he was really close with my parents and he just showed up with this kit. Obviously he didn't have anything in it. It was just a kit. Right. So right. he just gave it to me. And I remember it took me like two months to build that thing and it came out pretty bad. I mean, it was all <laughs> the wing was warped and it just looked like complete crap. It was terrible. Did it but, fly? Um, Oh, yeah, it flew, and I learned to fly with it. I actually flew the crap out of that thing for a long time. Oh, and uh, and then I kind of moved up to other planes. I did a lot of pattern stuff back in the day and various different, like, disciplines within airplanes. And then I kind of went, uh, you know, kind of stopped flying for a while um, mm-hmm. while I was going to college. And you know how it goes, just sort of, you know, developing your adult life and responsibility and whatever and didn't really do much of the hobby until maybe my mid to late 20s when i started back with airplanes again and then i was more into the 3d type of stuff you know which was kind of starting at the time you know and and then lipos and everything else and then i got into helis i would say 
pretty late. I mean, in comparison, you know, it was, I would say it was 2003 probably. So about 14 years ago. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I literally did planes for my God almost like 20 years before I got into helis. I never really even had an interest in the, in helis, but I was never really exposed. You know, mm -hmm. most of the clubs I ever flew in, like there weren't any helicopters. You know what I mean? I never even gotten to see a helicopter fly. I just bought a helicopter because I remember I was at the local hobby shop in Orlando and the owner is a good friend of mine. You know, I used to go there on occasion because my office, um, I worked in IT back in those days. My office was, uh, was literally I had to drive by his shop on my way home and I would stop by and, you know, mm -hmm. chat for a little while or whatever. And uh, I saw this little stupid looking like fixed pitch century hummingbird. It was like the worst piece of junk oh, wow. you could ever get. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That thing is like, I mean, back in the day, I forgot like this is like what? 14 years ago. It was like, I forgot, but it could have been like 300 bucks or something, which was really cheap for the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want that thing. And actually, I learned to hover and fly around with a fixed pitch hummingbird sent from Sentry that, like, didn't even have a lipo. It was like, a, I think it was a Nycat or it could have been a nickel metal. metal I'm not sure. But, yeah. So, and, that, and then I was like, okay, next. And then I went into a Raptor 50. Right. And, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. I went into a shuttle, a... um. Hirobo Shuttle 30. Mm -hmm. And that taught me how to fly around, how to do rolls, how to do loops. You know, I did my first auto rotation with that. And then yeah. I got a Raptor 50. Yeah. And then I got a Raptor. Yeah. And it was wooden blades. And, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, imagine flying like a Hirobo Shuttle 30 with like, uh, like wooden blades and, 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 uh, OS, I think it was OS 30. And mm -hmm. I wasn't like a 37 or anything. It was just an OS 30. Wooden blades, very underpowered. I think the head speed was like 1800 on a 30 size machine. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you needed to like really manage the collective and the cyclic to make it do anything. But I learned to do loops. I mean, I was doing them like pretty high up and the rolls were pretty high up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the autos weren't pretty. But, um, that kind of got me going, you know, and then I was like, yeah, I want more. So then I got a Raptor 50 and the Raptor 50 was like, oh my God, what a, you know, I mean, it still sucked in comparison to like what we have today, but performance wise, it was so much better than the shuttle. It was like, yeah. And then that's what kind of taught me TikToks and, you know, started doing some of the more advanced stuff, pyro flips with that thing and like all kinds of stuff with that Raptor 50. Nice. And that, that machine lasted me like probably over a year. And believe it or not, not a single crash on it ever. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then finally this is now year three into flying or year two you probably year three i got into a 90 size machine i got a miniature aircraft i think it was called a fury which was a 90 with the ys 91 okay and and then again it was like whoa this is so much power which again compared to today's electrics was nothing but mm -hmm. so it kind of kept progressing from that point on you know nice. and then um um, while I was flying, uh, miniature aircraft stuff, I just kept flying and flying. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, back in those days, by now, this is, I think, 2004 or something like that. Um, Tim Scunart, which was the owner of miniature aircraft back in the day, um, offered me some sort of like rep deal and I became a rep slash pilot for them. 
And then over the course of a year or two, you know, because I was local, they were actually based miniature aircraft for the people that don't really understand or know the history of the company. They were like, I would say they were at the time the pioneers in terms of like who made the mm -hmm. the machine to go to, you know. Right, right. And they were based out of um, a town called Sorrento, which is ironically 10 minutes from where I live right now. Um, yeah. Back in back in those days, I lived about 45 minutes away, but still it was relatively close. So every time they had a new project or testing something, they would call me up and I would go and help them test or whatever. And I kind of worked my way up into you know, a full sponsorship with them. Wow. And I flew with them until 2007. When Jason Kraus offered me a deal to go fly for a line. And mm -hmm. that's when I accepted and I moved to a line and flew for a line for a long, long time until, until the goblin days, basically. Yeah. Um, so I had a couple of like probably about a year in between where I tried other helicopters and stuff, but pretty much those have been really the three main brands I've, I've ever flown. Um, I did a little bit of outrage in that free period, but. Mm -hmm. No offense, that company was just doomed to not exist anymore, you know? <laughs> so, but other than that, yeah, that was it. So it was a line and then it, and then it became Goblin and, and it's still Goblin to this day. So. Hey, with the Goblin, did you get in before they released the 500 or were you in? I was with Goblin from absolutely day one. I oh. was working, um, my wife and I worked for Ready Heli. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys remember that. Yeah. Um, if you were in the hobby, but, um, so we both worked for them and then um due to reasons that i really can't discuss in public we we quit <laughs> me and my wife and like five other employees we all left and we had a trip to go to switzerland because we had a um uh we were going to attend an event called the alpine heli smackdown which was a really big event in switzerland back in those days mm -hmm. uh and and, you know, we already had the tickets and everything, but we, obviously we weren't working for Ready Heli anymore. So we weren't going to get help, you know, to pay for hotel or car, car rentals or anything like that. And I told my wife, I told Susie, you know, we got these tickets. We got we got no, you know, we're out of employment. You know, we have two choices. We either just to start looking for a normal job and like, you know, just go back to what we were doing prior to the hobby or whatever. Or we can just take these tickets, spend a little extra money, go there and see if something comes up. And mm -hmm. and it did. That's when we got hooked up with uh, the owners of SAB. And that's when I was offered um, a position with them and help them with uh, design, development, testing, promotion, you know, distributor, dealer support and all those things. And so I started with them. And to be exact, I think it would have been September of 2011. So, oh, wow. and and the first Goblin was released, and I would say probably March or April of 2012. So I was flying the machine and oh. helping them test well ahead of the release. So yeah, I've been with them for a while since day one. Sweet, That's I never awesome. knew that. Awesome. Hey, Bert, in those early days, was it still 72 megahertz? Like, I don't know when 2.4 came on the scene. My first 2.4 gig radio was, I'm trying to think the exact year. I could probably tell you. I think it was 2000. Oh, God. It had to be six or seven. It had to be six or seven. Okay. Because I remember I was flying miniature aircraft and, um, 
I had this machine called the Fury, and then they released a new machine. They called it the Stratus. And the Stratus was a 90 size nitro machine, and it had basically it was basically like a staggered frame, like it had a an upper and a lower frame. Mm-hmm. Basically, imagine like a bottom plate holding your engine, and you bolt the engine from the back plate of the engine, and then the engine goes up to you know the clutch, and the only thing that's holding the bottom plate and the rest of the helicopter is two brackets. We used to call them like I think we used to call them A frames or ladders. I forgot what we called them, but anyway, those things used to crack from flying oh, you know flying really hard wow. and they wouldn't like detach or break or cause you to crash but they would crack ever so slightly and they and then the vibration would, would make the the rubbing you know the the metal to metal sort of like crack uh would would create um you know enough noise that it drove 72 megahertz crazy oh, so we wow. had you know what we call lockouts all the time all the time and I remember that um, I was with Team Futaba at the time. I was sponsor pilot by Futaba. I had a 14MZ when they came out and whatever, and it was like the greatest rating in the world. And Futaba was trying to release the 2.4, but they got beat by Spectrum by a long shot. You know, Spectrum, Spectrum had the radio, I mean, I don't know, a year ahead of Futaba's fast mm-hmm. system, you know? Yeah, okay. and. And I had all these lockouts and all these issues, and I kept crashing helicopters because when you lost control, you know, if you were way up high in the sky, you know, you lost control for a couple seconds, you might, you know, get freaked out and hope that it would come back and it would eventually come back and you could get it back and land it and figure, try to figure out what the problem was. But, you know, if that happened to you when you were low to the ground, forget it, man. It was game over. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I was fully sponsored, but, Jesus, those those helicopters had, like, thousands of parts, man. I mean, they were, like, wow. so complex. And it used to take 10 hours to repair a major crash. So I remember I called, I emailed my team manager at Futaba, which was Frank Knoll. And I said, listen, I, I hate to do this to you guys because um, my contract was running out. And I said, I'm done. Like, don't take this the wrong way. I just, I can't, I just can't keep flying this stuff. And I went to my local hobby shop and I just purchased outright a DX7 from, from Spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I flew DX7. That was the first 2.4 that they released. You know, I think it could have been 06 or 07. It had to be probably 06 because in 07 I was doing a line and by then I already had it. But, um, and then I started flying Spectrum. And then I think the following year at Urcha, you know, I kind of worked out a deal with Spectrum. They're like, yeah, we want you on the team. And I joined their team. I mean, God, in the hobby, you know, Jesus, when I started in like, you know, the early 80s, man, that was like, (laughs) that was beyond like 72 megahertz. That was like analog radios. That was like horrible. (laughs) They were proportional, but they were analog, you know? Was uh, I'm just curious, was there, was did you still have the three banks? I mean, was it similar to today, or was it just like start up and fly? I I know you said you were doing three D stuff, so I'm- no. When I started, when I started the helis, they already had the idle apps. They already okay. did. I think the you're talking about the there was I forgot what they call it. There was inverted switch. I don't remember that before my time, not by a long shot, but you know several <laughs> okay. years before my before my helicopter time. Right. Quote, unquote, they did have that. You know, you had to. You had to push a switch, you know, flip a switch, and then and and then you would go upside down, and then you oh, would get really? the negative pitch. Yeah. Oh my god! <clears throat> but in my time, it, we already had the auto laps and everything. The main difference is most of the people back in when I started flying helicopters, believe it or not, used to set up their pitch curves really screwed up. Like 
imagine like my like plus minus like 10 degrees or plus minus you know mm-hmm. helicopters back in the day couldn't handle more than maybe 11 or whatever degrees right so say you did plus minus 10 well you would hover at half stick you wouldn't hover at three-quarter stick so so imagine like you had like no resolution from center stick to full negative compared to center stick to full positive because you would go from whatever it takes to hover say it would hover at six degrees of pitch you go from six degrees at half stick to like minus 10 at full negative oh, and then wow. you'd only go from like six to Jeez. 10 from right, you know, half right. to top so yeah it, it was horrible and and i learned that way and i learned to do 3d that way and i remember it took me it took me quite a bit of time to to change that over to where you know it was just you know a, a linear curve you know mm-hmm. yeah zero wow. at center you know yeah but other than that, I mean, the only major difference, obviously, fly bar, electrics, we had no lipos when I started. So it was mainly uh, the electrics had um, NICATs or nickel nickel metal batteries. Right. And, but it was mostly nitro and, and, and fly bar, of course. And, mm-hmm. and the, gy- the tail gyros at the time were pretty lame, you know? They didn't work very well. Yeah, yeah the, old, the old piezo gyros. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, and then very soon after I started, it was rate mode, so there was no heading hold. So, so they already had the digital gyros, but they were rate mode. They were, you know, you you just didn't have heading hold. So, right. and then after that, they came out. I think I forgot what it was. I think after that, they released the two two. I forgot what it was. Futaba had it. I think it was a two seventy or something, and then like the four hundred one, of course, which a lot of people know about. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, after that, then there were all these companies competing. And then uh, Spartan released their their uh, DS760 and their Quark, which were awesome. And then there was another company out of the UK called, I think, CSM or GSM. I forgot their name. That was also really awesome. And then Futaba released their 520. So there were a lot of really good tail gyro options leading up to the flavorless age, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, Chris Roberts still talks about the, the Spartan, the Spartan Quark. Oh yeah, that thing was amazing, and it was tiny, man. It was, it was, and believe it or not, they still they're still for sale. You can still buy one if you go to my main hobbies. They have them in stock. Yep. I don't know. I don't uh. know who buys them, but people still buy them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they put them in cars or what they do with them. Maybe some scale stuff. Maybe it could be. It could be yeah. people it's, like me that have crashed a number of four fifties in his day and still has parts laying around and. Is anxious maybe one day to see if he can actually fly that old flybard 450. Uh, <laughs> I might actually purchase one. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, I had such a hard time transitioning from flybar to flyberless, and then, and then like now, I mean, I, I really struggled. I had a really hard time because I just didn't feel that connection, you know, with the helicopter. Really, and That's now, amazing. Because the flybar was an instant. Complete, absolute, instant response. I mean, you just, you, you bang the stick, you know, and I was a stick banger, you know, I used to do mm-hmm. a lot, I like to do a lot of smack, especially in those days. And you bang that stick and the helicopter just shook. It just, it, it was there. And then the, with the, with the flight, with these flight controllers, it was different. It was just, it was like there was a delay or, you know, I don't know. It wasn't the same feel. So it took me a long time to get, to get used to it. But now, if I try to fly a fly bar, I mean, it would be horrible, man. Cause you, after you, you get used to the fly bar list from coming from fly bar, you, you realize that you're feeding a lot of 
wrong inputs into your flying because you're already accustomed to certain reactions and certain flight attitudes and you're already correcting for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have those anymore with the flight, you know, flight, flight control system. So you, you, so, so you get used to just, you know, just giving it the input that it needs to do what you want it to do, not giving it the input it needs to correct the bat tendencies. So, I mean, right now I don't, my muscle memory is not fine tuned to fly a fly bar. And if I fly, I mean, I can fly it, but it, my lines are all crooked. I can hold altitude, you know, I'm all over the place, you know? Yeah. I never thought so, about that. Yeah, they, they, they how makes, makes perfect sense. I mean, even if you spent all the time in the world trying to fine tune a fly bar, you could make it fly well, but it, it, it would, it would never fly perfect. You know, you right, could, you right. could take your time and, and, and balance the paddles and you could, you, you know, mess with the geometry and all kinds of different things to make it fly better, but it would never fly perfect. It always had really bad tendencies and depending on the t- you know the maneuver and the speed especially on there a lot of speed it had a lot of bad tendencies so um but it made you a better pilot i believe you know yeah. i think it was it made you fight fight it all the time and and learn right. to make corrections you know so good old days <laughs> yeah, yeah old so, days so do you do you still fly some planes and multirotors or at all or do you just stick with the helicopters now I haven't flown planes in a long time just because I don't own one anymore. Cause you know, I, towards the end of the time when I was flying airplanes, I was more into like giant scale and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I had a couple of really nice big quarter scale, not a quarter scale patty wax stuff. I had like a couple of big nice planes, but they just used to take so much room and right. I wasn't flying them often enough to justify owning them. So I ended up selling them. So I really haven't really owned, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I fly planes on rare occasions. I have a couple of foamies. I have that uh, mm-hmm. that Super Cub, I think it's called. It's like on floats from Horizon. It's like a big plane. The big uh, blue one? Yeah, yeah. I got one of those. The Carbon Z. And then I, yeah. Carbon Z, and the, yeah. yeah, that's it. And I got the, uh, you know, that T-28 also from E-Flight yeah. also? The the big one, though. The oh, one the with the one? retracts. No, yeah, yeah, I got one of those. And I, nice. you know, I fly them on rare occasions. You know, I go to, um, the Heli Extravaganza event in, uh, where is that at? Triple Tree, where they do, uh, don't mm-hmm. I go there in Top September. Yeah. And, you know, they have the little pond next to the fly line. It's just a beautiful feel. And I take my planes there and I fly them there. I mean, I fly planes on occasion, but not anywhere near like I used to, maybe twice a year, you know? Okay. Um, but, you know, just mainly the helis. I was flying, uh, FPV multi rotors for a while. I really got kind of the bug when they came out because I thought it was really cool, but you know, that went away really fast, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one of those things that if, if you don't do it with a friend, with friends, you know, yes. or with other people, I mean, there's so much you can do. So it really gets to me, it, it really got old very fast. And, and, you know, and I can fly them at home because I have plenty of room to fly in between trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, you know, after again, after about six months of doing it, you know, couple times a week three times a week it was like really like it wasn't fun anymore unless i was getting together with people right yeah it's definitely a community activity yeah. and then all the freaking wrenching uh with suttering and this and that oh my god no way i'm good <laughs> like, quads I'm are good. very tedious man it was they're they're fun like you said just you know you're the group of guys but um yeah i mean you got good fast though at quads holy shit Bert. 
<laughs> no, I'm not nowhere near as fast as <laughs> other dudes that are from here. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's hard, man. I mean, I can go fast, but I'll crash. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I watch a but bunch it, of videos when you're doing the S racer and stuff, and I was like, dang, he can fly that little sucker. <laughs> yeah. I, but, like, the part on the videos that you missed is the end <laughs> that, uh, that crashes that were edited. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Uh, awesome. No, um, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but no way. No way. Nothing compares to the thrill of a helicopter. That's for sure. I don't think the hobby's taken away any. Like, I was scared in the beginning when the drone started racing coming out, like, it's going to take all the good top pilots. They're all going to switch the drones and helicopters are going to be done. I think we all kind of thought that a little bit, but I, I don't think um I think Duncan is the only one really sticking with it, isn't it? Isn't he? Yeah, he seems to be really interested in it, and I think he's sticking yeah. with it. But other than that, yeah, I don't know if anybody like said that was you know switched to it and then you know just kind of went away. No, not went away on our about the helicopter guys. I guess it went away. You know, not as much as. I'm sure there's a bunch of drone guys that are never flown helicopters that are still loving it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, like Bobby, for example, and you know, Bobby was doing it very heavily with me, and he yeah. kind of he's done with it. Nick Maxwell was doing it for a while; he's done with it. Kyle Stacy tried it for a while, and Kyle Dahl, they both did. And I think mm-hmm. Dahl is still doing a little bit of it. I think just because he's he's helping with that. Um, what's that yeah. Star Wars thing called? I can't remember the name of oh, it or whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's a little involved with, yeah, but he's, he's not, I don't think he's doing much of FPV. Um, so yeah, a lot of the guys that, uh, that, you know, kind of developed an interest, uh, I guess they, they all gave up. I mean, yeah. it, they, it goes to show that, that it, I don't want to bash it. I don't want to bash FPV flying, but it, it does go to show that it, it, the people that are the people that are heavy into helicopters are into helicopters for a reason, and I think it's because of the challenge. You know, yep. I mean, there's yeah. other aspects. You know, the camaraderie, the people you meet. And, I mean, it's a it's just pure fun. But I think flying the helis has got a lot to do with the challenge. And when the challenge is not there, then you know, I don't think it's as interesting anymore. Yep. So, but I don't know. That's how I see it. Yep, me too. So I, I, uh, I still like my drones. Fred, Fred flies a lot of drones. Yeah. What kind of drones? A little bit of everything. The little quad racing drones and uh, tricopters, all that stuff. I, I, I'm i not in them for the challenge. I like going out and just doing my cruising, flying around with my FPV, exploring places. I take it out on trails I hike on and just kind of putts around trees and climb up over trees. That, that's the appeal to me. See, I, I could see that as being cool if you had a different location to go to after, you know. The, the thing is, I was doing it in the same place. I was doing it in my house all the time. And, I mean, I would go to a couple of local races and things like that. But that was just going through gates. And that really got old. Um, but I could see, like, if you're going to, like, different places and you're, like, going in the trees and exploring that, that would be fun, too. But other than that, if you just do it in the same spot all the time, it just really mm-hmm. gets old, you know? Yeah, it's the exploration aspect. I can see yeah. that being really interesting. Yeah, yeah that absolutely. and the whole area photography version of it, you know, it's nice. I agree. Cool. So what do you have in your fleet today? What do you fly? Um, I still have old goblins, man. I'm a goblin hardcore. Oh, um, is, is that a Florida thing, huh? I know Frank uh, Mordier is all about it. Used, <laughs> used to be more before than now, but um, no, I just, I, it's funny. I, I, I mean, I, a lot of people think it's because I'm sponsored by them or whatever. Sure. But, you know, at this point in time, I really, it really doesn't make any difference to me in the sense that, you know, I could fly whatever I wanted to fly. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm beyond that because you know we're doing our own business and stuff. It's not like I'm 
trying to beg to get, you know, a free machine or anything. But what it is with me is once I learn a machine and I get so comfortable with every little possible tweak or potential problem or, you know what I mean? Like I learned the machine inside out. I really don't have any desire to explore and try something else, especially if it's flying good for me. Yeah. So I try to stick to the same stuff because it works. You know what I mean? Not to say that any other machine does not work. I mean, I flew a logo not long ago and I was pretty impressed and I love synergies. I think they're great machines. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I just, once I get into flying something and I, I know it inside out and I have a nice stash of parts, I just don't see the need to go and try something else, you know? Right. Yeah. But to answer your question, I, I at some point I had 28 ready to fly helicopters. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I, it, it was like, it was ridiculous. Cause every time there was a new project or something new, like they would send me a new machine and I would just build it and test it. And then it would just sit there and then like, or, you know, I would build something for a demo. Um, you know, I go mm-hmm. to Europe to do a demo somewhere like, oh, you need a brand new machine for this demo because we have this beautiful new machine. <laughs> so they send me the machine and like I build it. And the next thing I know, four years later, I have like, 20, I think it was 26 or 28. So I've given a lot of them away to my friends and stuff. I'm like, here you go, dude. Happy birthday. Like, you know, I just I'm downsizing to where I think I have like eight machines now but i have really three that i stick to all the time like my main two or three you know a nitro mm-hmm. and two electrics that's what i fly 90 percent of the time you know that's right, cool. right. So. nice and then what do you fly as far as like radio batteries do you have any specific flybars units you like to fly with right now i'm experimenting with a lot of different flyerless systems although i fly spartan for the most to- uh for the most mm-hmm. part i fly the vx1e um or the vx1n uh you know vortex but i've been playing with different things just because i'm curious and so far i haven't found anything that kind of sparks you know i play with i mean they're all the problem is is they're all so good you know you really can't say that any of them are bad they're just different feeling systems so um and for batteries i'm i've been flying pulse pulse batteries for i don't know since they came out too like four or five years um, I play it with other batteries as well, but I keep going back to Pulse. I think Pulse to me are seem to be the most consistent as far as like, uh, you know, least amount of issues. I mean, I have some batteries that are like two years old that have gotten a lot of abuse and they're still flying. Like when I saw you guys at, uh, in Virginia, I was flying like a pack that was like two years old and it's still wow. going. So wow. I've had, I mean, you know, with the obviously keeping in mind that I typically, don't overfly them you know on occasion mm-hmm. i'll make a mistake and and do so but you know i don't overfly them and i, I don't charge them at a very high c rate uh you know c rating so like uh, you know like i just charge it like max 2c so yeah. doing that i've gotten a lot of good luck with them so yeah well that's awesome. good to hear yeah I'm, I'm the same way with mine i mean i mean i'm definitely not pulling the current out probably like you are but with charging yeah i definitely i don't charge usually over, more than 2c yeah yeah I, yeah i've had good luck with batteries just in general it's crazy yeah. how people don't realize that when you start charging at four or five c and you over this charge well obviously over this charging is even worse but That's worse doing thing. all that like that can kill a battery so fast you know so yeah. fast yeah. like i remember like over flying a battery not long ago like i made a mistake and i over like flew like my timer by a long shot and like the battery was just completely done. 
I don't know, 3.1, 3.2 per cell Ooh, or something. Wow, that's low. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's after resting and everything. And, you know, I got it back, and, you know, it still flies, but you can definitely tell that that battery is just not performing the same yeah, anymore. It's like, IRs it's, are high. yeah, it's like, yeah, absolutely. The IRs went up skyrocketed. It went from like, you know, two or three or four to like 10, 12, 14 per cell. So it's done. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an okay practice pack, but it's not, it's not a good pack by any means anymore. So, you know, yeah, lost its punch. But, you know, um, the interesting thing is a lot of people, you know, talk about battery brands and all this and that. It was, you know, with the exception of the real cheap batteries that you can find, you know, out of Hobby King and places like that, you know, all these batteries are made by the same people anyway. So, yeah. you know, th- they're all solid. They're all good. Yeah, here m- so. more it's uh, it's with basically with quality control, right? The cell matching, you know. Yeah, yeah, companies. exactly. And, you know, I've gotten, I can't deny that I've gotten some Pulse batteries that have arrived with, um, you know, cell matching uh, the cells that are not perfectly matched. But, you know, the interesting thing is you charge it slow at 1C and, and you do a slow balance type of thing. They they recover very fast. You know, they within two or three cycles, they're matching perfectly, you know. Yep, yep. Just breaking them in. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey. So, what kind of pilot would you describe yourself as today? I mean, you've been in the you've been in the industry for a while. You've been flying for a long time. You said you like smack. Do you still consider yourself like a smack pilot, or do you like to, you know, kind of mix it up now? I like to mix it up a lot. I mean, I go through periods when I'm into the smack, quote unquote, mode, but I, I enjoy mixing it up a lot. Like. You know, I've been doing a lot more bigger air type of flying and uh-huh. uh, just just really fast, big, big air stuff. I enjoy that a lot. And but to be honest, I think it also has to do with the fact that I'm getting older. So <laughs> so so my reflexes yeah. are not as uh, as good as they used to be. You know, it's it's it, flying low to the ground, very fast, very aggressive uh, gets a little bit challenging nowadays, whereas Literally up until two or three years ago, it was actually quite easy. So, so I'm trying to like change my flying a little bit and do a little bit more big air, open, you know, open air, mm-hmm. big maneuvers and stuff like that. Cool. When I saw you fly in, um, in Virginia, I mean, I still was like, wow, <laughs> you still made me. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> Thank still, you. And I'm like yeah. freaking terrible compared to where I was like when I was, com- you know, flying competitively like five, six years ago. <laughs> But, I think I've heard you say that last four times I've seen you fly. <laughs> then next year you're like, God, I suck. I'm like, that was one of the best flights I've <laughs> yeah, seen ever. Exactly. And it's like, ah, oh, suck, man. I'm like, like, whatever. Well, the problem, you know why I say that is because I, tr- I tend to look, I mean, I can't help it, but to look at some of these new kids, man. I mean, you know, yeah. Kyle Stacy, Kyle Dole. I mean, these guys are like incredible, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Don Kimball, and all these guys. And, and like, obviously I can't put myself at that level. I mean, Maybe for the standards of the day, I was there, you know, six, seven years ago. But today, you know, I'm in my mid 40s. So there's no way I can come close to that. And like, I wouldn't even try it. But um, so, yeah, when I compare my flying to those kids, <laughs> it's like, man, like, no way. You know, I suck. Yeah, but they're like the one percent, <laughs> you know, like the, yeah, the rest I, of 99 percent are like, wow. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. But it's good you haven't <laughs> walked away from it either. Haven't gotten discouraged with, you know. Because mm-hmm. uh, that does happen to to a lot of a lot of egos, a lot of people out there that you know once once they see the 
they're overtaken or you know that that somebody else has come along that's that's a lot better you know or at at a different level that they just give up on the whole thing it's good to see you haven't thank you i just i you know i enjoy um you know for me the fun is just a small part of it anyway right, so right. and you know especially after you you know uh been doing it for such a long time and 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 then turn it into your job you know, I'm not saying that I don't I don't enjoy the flying, but like there's just so many other aspects of it that kind of uh, seem to uh, that I seem to enjoy even more than the flying. Because a lot of times I just don't have the time to fly anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get busy and, you know, sometimes, believe it or not, I could go four weeks without flying just because I'm too busy. And, and you know, when you do this stuff, 20, I wouldn't say 24 hours, but, you know, 16 hours living. a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, when the weekend comes, you know, a lot of times you just, you don't want to deal with this anymore. You just want to go, you know, spend the weekend with the wife or go ride the bikes or do something else, you know, and, no. and kind of get away from the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. But, but the flying to me is, is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love flying, but it's not, not the main focus. It's just, I enjoy more like this kind of stuff we're doing tonight, like just chatting with people, like teaching people stuff, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, contributing to the hobby, you know, as a whole, because I think that's, that's just, it's cool because it's kind of giving back. You know, I got a lot, I, 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 I could say that I was very lucky in the sense that I had so many people like helping me back in the day that I, I, I always feel like I owe, I owe that back to the, to the hobby community. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Now I do get into the mood of flying on occasion to where I just want to fly, 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 and I just go every day, you know. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and 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 I burn myself out over you know two weeks of everyday flying, you know. But sometimes it's just you're like you know in the last few weeks we've been so busy, it's just like there's just no time to do that, you know. So so let's. I mean, besides your companies, um, are you still sponsored by any other manufacturers? Yeah, technically, technically, I'm sponsored by Spartan. I'm sponsored by SAB. I'm sponsored by Pulse Batteries. I think that's all I got left. <laughs> I think that's all I got left. <laughs> that's quite I, a I, list. I hope, I hope yeah. I'm not forgetting somebody. Oh man, back in the day, it was like stupid. It was like you know, a company for the blades, a company for the helis. I was sponsored by OS Engines and Futaba and this and that. It was like like a crazy list but now i'm just i have a battery sponsor a helicopter sponsor and a flight control sponsor i sponsor myself with servos and blades (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so those come out of my own pocket so (laughs) so so let's go into it um i mean you work in the rc industry you've been working in rc industry for a while doing development and testing and team pilots factory pilots all that stuff but you know you you're the you're the owner of BK Design, BK Servo, Switchblades. Like, what's it like to work in that RC industry day in, day out? Mm, it's it's got its goods and its bads. The beauty of mm-hmm. it, the beauty of it is, is that obviously you work and you know doing something that you love. You know, it, you know, um, I really enjoy like trying to like improve on the products and design new products and do things like that. The bad part is, is that you know, with that, it comes, uh, you know, a lot of work, uh, a, a lot of involvement when it comes to working with the public and customer service and things like that. And, 
mm-hmm. not saying that I don't enjoy helping people or anything like that because I, I love it, but it, but that has a price because when you spend almost every day of your life just dealing with people and helping them and doing all these things and talking about this every day, I'm going back to what I just, we just talked, you know, a couple minutes ago. It takes away from the, the enthusiasm, the, you know what I mean? The excitement, you know, of say going to the flying field the weekend after, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it just kind of kills that a little bit. It's like, imagine if you were just doing this from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed. Cause that's the other thing. Like, you know, I've, I guess I've always had a job that, cause I was into IT before and I, you know, IT is like terrible. I mean, you, you know, I was, I was into networking, so I had to be around, you know, oh, yeah. it, it didn't matter if it was 4th of July or, you know, New Year's day or whatever. Um, but most people that have, normal jobs you know you you work you clock in you clock out and sure you, you might have a level of responsibility within your job description that description that requires you to do extra things you know in the evening hours or maybe occasionally on a saturday you might have to go to the office or whatever it is but when you work in the hobby it's really not a job it's like a lifestyle you know right. most of your friends are in the hobby so when your friends come to your house, they just want to talk helicopters or they want to go fly or they want to right. help you to help them do this or that. There's no escaping it. There's no <laughs> disconnecting from it. That's true. So it, it, uh, and, and at any level, I mean, imagine if, if everything you did uh, in addition to the podcast was like work with helicopters and all your friends were in the hobby and like everything was helicopter. Like you have no way to get away from it. And, right. and on top of that, you work with your wife in the same business <laughs> right. so when you're having dinner you're talking about this customer or this new project or this fun fly we're going to or this guy that needs that or and it's just it's it's again it's dude it's like from the time, time you stops. open your eyes to the time you close your eyes so <laughs> so it does take a toll on i don't know how to call it your excitement towards the hobby or your your enthusiasm towards the hobby but so that's the negative but Again, on the, on the positive side, it, it's just awesome because, you know, you get to do what you love to do. You, you, it, it's difficult. You, you kind of have to find that balance where you don't overdo it. You got to find a time to just say, you know what? I'm done. And that's why that's, that's what we do. You know, this weekend, like screw helicopters, screw the business. We're just screw like the, cause, you know, I separate the two too. Like I see helis as a business and I see them as a hobby. Cause when mm-hmm. I, you know, I go to the flying field. On occasion, actually, I go to the flying field pretty often just to enjoy myself and hang with my friends and fly. And and that's really not business for me at all. You know, that's just me going there to fly and hang out. You know, I go to events where I see absolutely no business value, like no offense to Virginia, but there's absolutely, no, for example, no, no, no business value in us going to Virginia as a business. You know, we go as us just to have fun and chat mm-hmm. with people and enjoy, you know. So we do it as a hobby too, but we are always doing it as a business. So the only way to kind of like draw that line is on occasion, we have to say, you know what, this weekend, screw helicopters, no helicopter talk, nothing with helicopters, no emails, no nothing. We're just going, I don't know, to the beach or we're, you know what I mean? Like we just get away. Disconnect, right. And yeah, and that helps. That helps big, big time. When we get back, we're like, yeah, we're like ready. You know, it's like it just kind of gets you refreshed i guess mm-hmm. you could say but yeah working in the hobby is interesting it's, it's very hard to describe it with simple words it's, 
it's uh it's really cool and it's it's really terrible it's it's got a little bit of everything you know <laughs> sure but i have absolutely no regrets no you know i i love it i mean i wouldn't change it for anything in the world you just got to kind of know how to balance it out that's all because it could really get out of control if that's all you do all your life and you never do anything else you know i mean talk about work-life balance right <laughs> like it's yeah. work and life yeah. it's all the same <laughs> yeah exactly well i appreciate the fact that you guys came up to uh virginia per it was good to yes. see you guys uh yes i knew so fun man dog. <laughs> i love that event i missed i missed last year but i think i was there the year before and the one before that like i love that place mm-hmm. that's that's been always a favorite event i like that i like that field a lot i like the campbells they're a great family they're just all good people there just just yep. it's just always pure fun you know yeah so switch plays let's talk about uh, switch blades first. Switch rotor blades. Um, how how did you come up with this? Like, did you just one day it was like I'm tired of all the blades on the market. I want to make my own, or did this kind of fall into your lap? I mean, no, I that that literally fell into our laps. Like that was um, my wife and I both were working for SAB, and actually my wife had left SAB to help more with um, the servo business because the servo business was growing. And, she, you know, she need we needed help with the books and shipments and things like that. And she started doing all that while I still work for SAB. And then um, Ready Heli went out of business. And, you know, Ready Heli owned the Edge brands. Mm-hmm. So um, apparently um, I probably can't discuss some of these details because I don't know if they're public or not. But there were <laughs> some financial issues involved. And mm-hmm. we had been, um, you know, I I... I designed basically some of the, not all, but some of the sizes of the edge blade back in the day right. when I worked for Ready Heli. So I had a good relationship with the factory in China, Funky. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when Ready Heli went out of business, they, um, the, own, the owners of Funky reached out to me and Susie and said, Hey, we have this issue. We need something to do with these molds. We, you know, we're, you know, we're out of all this revenue stream and, you know, this brand yeah. is going to go away. So we kind of worked out a deal to where, you know, we would reuse the edge molds and, you know, we would make a couple of changes here and there. Um, other blades stay pretty much the same, just a different name. And then we would take and, you know, design new blades. Like we did the 383s. I think we did the 523. Mm-hmm. We did a few other sizes. And, and basically that's how it, ha- how it happened. It was, it, it just literally fell on our lap. Like it was, you know, we didn't even ask for it, but we were kind right. of excited when it happened because we thought it was a good opportunity. Although, you know, there's so many good blades on the market. It's so hard to compete, mm-hmm. especially with the blade that I'm not trying to bash my own brand. But, you know, I mean, it's it's an older um, design. You know, it's it's a very traditional design. And now you got, you know, all these crazy blades like, you sure. know, the new VTX and, you know, the Cyclones and all these blades that have different airfoils and things like that so it's not it's not an easy market but you know it's going okay and we don't regret it i think it's uh it fills a void because there's really not a simple good old school blade out there anymore i mean it's proven right i mean switch blades. yeah it's been proven for you know i mean it's like edge exactly i mean it's edge was the first um flabberless um, i mean blade mate for flabberless helicopters i mean back in those days um, people were flying flybar blades on on their helicopters, on their flybar flybar blades on their uh, flyerless helicopters. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was like 
they were so unstable. The machines were so inaccurate, you know? Right. This is a question I ask uh, uh, Matt Bodos, and I'll ask you. What's with the three? The 813s, the 753s, the 713s? What's the three? Is it just... Uh, um, um, I think <laughs> that when the owner of Ready Heli developed Edge, or, well, mm-hmm. he didn't design them, but when he decided to come up with the blades, he wanted... Because uh, up until those days, it was like, okay, 690s, 710s, right. 690s, 710s, 600s, mm-hmm. you know? Actually, back in those days, there was a 420, there was a 500. May, I'm talking about made, you know, by other manufacturers, like sure. common sizes. Mm-hmm. You had you had 325s for the 450 class machines, which are, yep. are now called the 350 class, I guess. Mm-hmm. You had the 420s, you had 500s, you had... 600, 697 tenths. Those were the only or most common sizes. I think maybe even the only sizes. He's like, you know, everybody makes the same blade. I'm going to make it different. Let's, let's do it. You know, let's, let's do a stupid, weird number. Like, <laughs> and, and that's how it came up, you know, and it okay. was, and, and Edge was the first company to make those odd sizes. And I think yeah. it just did it for marketing reasons, you know, for okay. to have sort of a catchy idea, but really nothing else. And then yeah. Bodo said, "Oh, Edge is doing this. I'm gonna do <laughs> sixteen. The six. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly how it happened. No doubt yeah. about it. Because yeah, we were talking to Matt. <laughs> Matt was like, it's all marketing. There's no reason to <laughs> arrive or nothing. It's just marketing. <laughs> yeah, because back in those days, like I remember when I worked for Ready Heli and Rails came out. So Bodo mm-hmm. had just designed his blades, and I remember the owner of Ready Heli looking at him was like, look at these people. Like they're." Doing the same shit we're doing. They're doing uh-huh. the 16 instead or whatever. And I was like, well, there you go. I mean, you started it and it's going to happen now. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's good if people copy and it's doing something right. <laughs> but it's a good yeah. it's a good marketing strategy because, it's, oh, I need a set of 613s, you know, or, you know, you know, they're talking about switch or edge. No, right. I need a set of, you know, 760. You know, it, it just it really kind of helps with the marketing for sure. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Awesome. Yeah, but that was that's really the only reason. Nothing um, to it. And one more question about switchblades. I know you have a couple different models within the brand, right? You have your your regular switch line, the car fire blades. You also have like the XF and the F3C versions. Is there yeah. anything? I mean, can you go into a little bit? What's the difference between a normal and an XF? Yeah, the, version? yeah. The the normal blade is just a well rounded blade, as I call it. Like the the CG. It is well balanced in the sense that the blade can be aggressive if you want it to be, but it's not going to be overly aggressive or unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, it tracks well in big air maneuvers and high speed. Um, so I, I just call it a well-rounded blade. It doesn't excel, and it sounds really pathetic the way I put it, but it doesn't excel in anything it does, but it does everything very well. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's not an excellent blade for high speed, and it's not an excellent blade for smack, but it's a very good blade for both. So it's a really good compromise because, you know, the minute you improve performance in one area, you decrease it in another area. Mm -hmm. So there's always a trade-off. So that's a well-rounded blade. The XF is basically what the Edge SC used to be. It's a a much more aggressive center of gravity, both span-wise and court-wise. So... Mm -hmm. Basically, a much more responsive, really, really good blade for smack, 
um, and, and, and really tight maneuvers and stuff like that. But when it comes to big air, it just is not a stable. Okay. It'll still do it. It, if you go really, really fast, you better be careful with your inputs because it might, it might, uh, bite too hard and, and stall your helicopter. Have you ever seen a speed machine fly and do that crazy elevator funky thing, you know, the little when they go too fast? Thing? Yeah. Yeah, the, the the XF could potentially do that. I mean, not as bad as like a speed machine would, but sure. it is not as stable in big air, but it's really, really good for smack. Okay. And then the F3C is the complete opposite. It's really, really super stable. It's not good at all for any kind of hard 3D. But if you like to do, obviously, of course, F3C, it's, as the name implies, if you're doing, you know, precision flying and FAI type stuff, sure. But if you're also a 3D pilot that enjoys smooth, big air stuff, slow type 3D, um, you know, the F3C type blade is the best because it, it's really, it's, it's really precise. It's, it, it, it tracks exceptionally well, but it's not, it's not a good blade for smack. It would never do smack. It would do it super slow, you know? Right. Okay. Oh, you have to speed up your rates out of control to get it to, to do a decent flip at a relatively decent speed, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <clears throat> so those right. are the main differences. Um, I think they're only, my wife is the switch blade boss. So I don't, <laughs> we are not even though I like own the company as well. Like, and I have product here. I, mm -hmm. I think we only make excess in like the 600 class and the 700 class. I think everything else does, does not. And the same with F3C. I think everything else is just the standard switch. Yes. So like, so we don't have like 383s or 503s right. or 523s and, and all, you know, different, you know, types. So it's, it's funny. only in I'm, the... I'm actually looking at your whole product page for switch right now and mm -hmm. everything does end with a three except for your 325s, your 450 size. <laughs> yep. Yep. And those should have been 323s. Yeah. Those are, those are old, man. Like I wanted to discontinue those a long time ago, but they still move on occasion. So we kept them. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't even know who flies a machine that uses those anymore. Like those are like old, old school like 450s, aren't they? Like T Rexes yeah, yeah. and T Rex. Yeah, those are like yeah, yeah, Blade 450X that type of machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they still move on occasion, not much, but yeah, we still make those. And I don't know why I don't remember because I was around at working for Ready Heli when they made those blades, but I don't remember why. It wasn't a, it should have been a 323 technically. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, so let's move on to, uh, BK servos, right? Mm hmm. Um, so what got you into designing your own servos? Well, it's funny because the first servo that we released was not by any means anything that I designed. It was just like a rebranded copy of like an RJX servo. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it happened was I was working on the Goblin 500. I was in a, I was in China testing the helicopter, Vietnam actually. And like, it was like the very first few flights ever on that helicopter. It was like the first prototype, like prototype number one. And back in those days, like nobody made a mini servo that had any freaking power. Like they mm -hmm. were all just terribly weak. There were some fast ones, but they were not, there was nothing out there with any torque. And 
Um, I, I mean, I remember I tried Futabas and I tried JRs. I think Futaba used to make a 9650 servo back in those days. The thing had no torque. Like, I think it was like a tail servo actually that people run in the Cyclics and the, and the T-Rex 500 way back in the day. And like, mm-hmm. I tried that. I mean, there was a bunch oh, of servos, geez. nothing had torque. So, uh, a friend of mine from, from China said, you need to try these. And he gave me a set of, some weird looking servo that was made by a factory that makes RJX back in the day. And I tried them and I was like, Whoa, these things are amazing. Like they had, you know, 90 some ounces of torque and it was like unheard of for like a mini servo or a hundred, no, 150 ounces of torque. It was like unheard of for a mini servo and like 0.04, 0.03 speed. They were like crazy fast. So I flew them for a long time and I liked them. And like, I, did the entire testing with the 500 with those servos to the point where like the guys they said well why don't you just make your own and it was just something so like not even thought out not planned it was like spur of the moment like you should you should put your name on them okay just put my name on them (laughs) (laughs) there was no thought behind it there was no like logo design it was like i just sat down with a piece of paper and put bk like i just had no ideas like i was like and normally you know i'm a business person but i was just not in that was not my that was not my my thing i wasn't planning on developing a servo business so the SAB guys um, were some of the people that said, well, you should do that or whatever. And obviously they wanted me to kind of get in, get in it too with, you know, a little bit of capital, you know, to, to do a combo for the 500. So I just said, okay, just make it happen. Just put BK's, BK Servo. And that's how it's going to be called. Like the most unoriginal dumb name I could have ever come <laughs> up with. And then, um, but then they started selling and, and then like, just people and random people like friends and acquaintances and just people mm-hmm. in the forums or Facebook are like, why don't you make a full size? Yeah. And then I sat down and I started scouting, you know, like finding information about like, you know, you know, suppliers and who could make it right and blah, blah, blah. And I designed the case, designed the whole internals and stuff. And that that's when the, the first full size came out, which was the 7001 series. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just it started selling and then it kind of just just sort of like organically happened. You know, it went from mm-hmm. that one to the brushless mm-hmm. to the tail servos to then I developed this 7002. And then a friend of mine that was into that that is into RC car racing. You know, well, we should mm-hmm. try them in cars. And then he tried to yeah. love them. He's like, well, we should do car specific ones. So I make car specific ones. I mean, it's just it's sort of kind of evolved literally like without pushing it you know it's just been an organic growth which i'm really happy and thankful for you know but now we got what one two i think we got like i think probably about 12 different models or something like that 13 different models so Mm -hmm. it's you know nothing huge but it's been kind of like letting it grow on its own you know yeah yeah i I rock them I like the servos. Well, you know, if it's a good design and word of mouth, I mean, that's all you need, and it'll take off from there. When I first started getting into helicopters and I was looking for servos, yeah, I've done the cheap Hobby King ones and didn't really like them. But when I saw the 8000 uh, series, the brushless, the black casing, the silver, I was just like, oh, those look amazing. I don't care about the specs. They just look amazing. I need those in my helicopter. And ever since that, I've been, you know, pretty much every model I have 
Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually okay. scared, man, because that design in my eyes, and I thank you for your comment, because I do agree with you. Like, I drew that up in SolidWorks, and like, it looked mm-hmm. cool. But when I got the first machine, like the first uh-huh. sample that was machine, like yeah. it didn't have any guts. It was just the case, and I looked at it, and it had no branding on it. It was just black anodized with the silver. I was like, whoa, this thing looks sick. <laughs> yeah. I like I almost pissed my pants. It just I thought it was like incredibly freaking beautiful. I mean, uh-huh. I, I mean, I sound like I'm cocky, but I just I couldn't believe how cool it looked. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do to top that off. That's a hard yeah. design to top off, you know, and it came I mean, out small, too. I mean, it's pretty compact, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I mean, it's a standard servo, but it's, you know, the height, uh, you know, it's it's not tall at all. It's shorter than right. most others. Mm-hmm. so and it's light um considering you know it's aluminum so it, it's yeah it i don't know man i <laughs> i've been thinking for like six months i need to come up with something you know in the next year or something you know maybe not anything like drastic but i need to start developing maybe something a new design and i just don't know how i'm gonna top that i, I don't know <laughs> I have no idea you know even, so, even with uh, the uh the redesign from the 7001 to 7002. I'm like, yes, the 7002s are just like the 8002. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same. It's the same case. It's just it's yeah. got the fins, and you know, uh-huh. yeah, that's it's the same thing. I mean, I so, don't know. That's when I look at a BK servo. That's what I expect to see. Even you know, with the 3001s, little the micros for the the 380. I'm like, that's what I want to see. I want to see the fins. I want to see the the anodized color. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, well now I'm going backwards because I'm I'm about to come out probably soon with a micro servo that is not going to have the fence. It's going to be a pretty basic micro servo. Mainly because, you know, that servo it costs a lot of money to produce that servo, mm-hmm. um mainly because of the machining. So, I'm going to make something much more simple simple for the people that don't want to spend that kind of money that have like say a smaller machine like an Oxy or something they really don't sure. want to put in all that money into yeah. servos and spend almost more money in the servos than in the machine the new <laughs> right. you know the new fireball from goblin that's about mm-hmm. to hit the market and machines little machines like that i feel like we need a inexpensive pretty basic you know micro servo do you think you'd be developing any type of servos that would fit uh the oxy twos or the blade 180 that like sub micro i guess I have been exploring that option, but it's just so hard to produce them consistently to where it's hard as it is to have a servo that is absolutely 100% trouble-free. I mean, I'm sure all servos at some point or another have issues because electronics are tough. But when you combine mechanical and electronics together and you have electromechanical components, they're, man, they're the hardest components to make and to make consistently well to where you can have a decent warranty and and customer service standing behind it and the sub micro scares me because it's really hard to make them to where they're consistent you know right and to where we can offer a decent warranty and and stand behind you know stand behind the product you know so i don't i don't know i haven't really like made that decision yet it's i'd like to i really want to but i have to be totally convinced and that you know it's going to be a solid product you know and I just haven't gotten there yet. Not where, not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, the servos are just tough to make. They're really tough to make. There's a lot, yeah. you know, there's a lot of components in it. 
Um, you know, and again, when you when you mix the mechanical stuff with the ele- electronics, it's like you're just it's just all a recipe for disaster. You know. Yeah. <laughs> then so then you just, mix in a crash, and then you know it's like okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but there's a lot of user error, too. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I see that left and right. I mean, I had a guy that um, was having consistent issues, say, uh, with the 5001, the mini servos, the original mini servos. And those are mm-hmm. the most reliable ones we make. And um, I don't know if you guys heard of Justin Cook. He was a Virginia fun fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, his dad and I, John, are good friends. And John flies with this guy in Tampa. So this guy's already sent like two servos back, like in a matter of two months. <clears throat> and I'm looking at the servos. And I'm like, this is weird. They're like, like I didn't, cause I, I don't have the ability to do, I can do some testing in house, but I can't do really extensive testing unless I send them back to the factory. Right. So by the time I get information back from the factory and they tell me, oh, these servos are just burned. Like, what do you mean? They're, they're uh-huh. just burned. Yeah. They, they have been subjected, like they, that were either binding excessively or, you know, they had over voltage. I mean, you know, they were just burned. The boards were burned. Okay. So, um, John Cook happens to go meet with this guy that was having all this issue. And he's like, he just calls me later. He's like, dude, you have no idea. Like his rates on the cyclic were so aggressive that he was binding, like, like out of control, like binding, binding, Uh binding. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's, you know, there's the occasional guy that turns on the servo, tail servo at 1520 when it should have been 760 on the pulse, you know, mm-hmm. and the thing is buzzing, you know, during setup for about 20 minutes. The next thing you know, the <laughs> servo like just quits sure. and they send it back. I mean, there's a lot of that. I'm not saying that's the only reason why there's issues, but it, it's just tough, you know, and, and I'm thinking that I feel bad for flabberless manufacturers because it's the same with them too it's just you know there's there's it's there's so many variables you know it's it's not as simple as just a helicopter it's just a mechanical product and that's it oh this thing fits or it doesn't fit or it's maybe bent you know that it's just a totally different different you were saying about people causing the issues remember that one i gave you actually in virginia was a customer of mine said tail Mm -hmm. circle brand new stopped working you know, I gave him a new one. He looked at. It. I think I threw it to you at Springfield. We took it apart, and it was full of red Loctite, like full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what, how, how he did. How it, is the I'm red like, Loctite? I don't. Yeah, and that like a, in, the, in the gears, right? I think yeah, it was, I remember, about, was everything. It was like glue in the gears. It was oh just, my god! Like, you know, yeah. so he was bashing. Man, the servos. I can't believe it's brand new. It's bad. I'm like, man, I've never seen a bad BK ever. I got uh, have, nine helicopters. Have. Um, you know, so I sold them and he's just like, man, I can't believe they're bad. So I started looking at his helicopter and everything's red Loctited. And sure enough, we pulled this. I think we took it. I don't even think we could get the motor to turn. Could we? <laughs> no, you no, 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 no. And like, the thing is like <laughs> the servo was fine because like when I brought it back to the shop and I took it apart and I removed the gears and everything else and I oiled it real well and I put <laughs> fresh gears in it and you put grease and everything else, then, then, it, then it was fine. You know, that's funny. But, wow, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. It's just locked up, mechanically yeah. locked up. I mean, the electronics were fine in it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. It just like couldn't said, move. Yeah, it just I'm, couldn't move. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just funny how I said people are, you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time. Like you said, it's, yeah. but it's, I mean, error, it, but, it, you know, you got to fix it and do the right thing. And like I said, he was happy. I told him, man, we got you a new server. Everything's good to go. And he said, well, that's awesome. So, and I explained to him is, it was your fault, you know, but we still did it. And he said, all right, cool. 
But the right. thing is, you know, I see, I see, I, I see all those things as cost of doing business. Like I try to help everybody I can. Like I've, you have no idea the servos that I've replaced. You would like wouldn't believe because there's some things that are so freaking obvious that you're like, <laughs> really, you know. Um, but, but I still take care of them because you know, yeah. you just you you take care of them and then you you try to help them the best you can so that it doesn't happen to them. You know, so. So they don't make the same mistake again. You know what yep. I mean? And that's and that's it, you know? Yeah. What else are you gonna do? I mean, it's it's I mean, all good. It's it's like I say, like I always say, it's just it's cost of doing business. You just you you take care of them and they're happy and you know, uh they come back to you when they when they need something and 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 and, and you know, and you're happy with yourself for having helped them and it's no different than when there's a true genuine, you know, failure. You just treat it like a failure and that's it, you know. I that's think one. that's the reason that it's doing so well for you, just because of yeah. the, like you said, the honesty, the stand behind it. You know, so, like you said, if it's not perfect, you're right. It's not here. I'll make it better. I mean, that's no. Obviously, you know, if it's super obvious, you know, if, if like of I mean, obviously, yeah. we're not that you know that complacent. I mean, if somebody sends a servo that's been yeah. through a fire, sorry, dude, like yeah. <laughs> can't help you there. You know what I mean? But I mean, a lot of times people genuinely make a mistake and they're unaware of their mistake, or a lot of times they're honest. I mean, I've had people say, hey, I made this, I screwed up with this. And, you know, I had a guy that just admitted I had this incredible dumb thumb and like, you know, one out of the three servos is just not working after the crash. And which is kind of rare because normally, you know, you'll strip gears if it's a hard crash, but the servo yeah. should work. So, you know, I told the guy to send the servo back and we take care of it for him. We repaired it and send it back. I mean, it's, you know, and free of charge. Why not? You know what I mean? Like. I mean, huh? now if he would have said, no, we bought them four years ago and like, you know, it's been through 700 flights and then 10 crashes. And I'm sorry, man, you know, I can't help you there, you know, but you try to help within reason the best you can. Yeah. It's just all about making, I mean, you want people to have a good experience in the hobby because that's important. You know, it's, it's hard. The hobby's so hard. It, it, there's such a, a big learning curve in the hobby, you know what I mean? And, and, and when you, when you don't treat those people right, you discourage them and they just, it, it sucks, man. I mean, cause I remember being in those shoes back in the day when you get discouraged, it's just, it, it's, it just sucks. It's yeah. like, it takes so yeah. So. And that's one thing I got to say about your servo brand. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through quite a bit of, you know, helis with your servos and, if I ever had a problem, you know, I, I would contact support and right, right, like the next day they would just email me, we'll talk, we'll have a conversation. And, um, you know, I've had a couple incidents, but it's not like, it was never like, oh, well, yeah, sorry, can't help you. You know, they always try to help, you know, and that's big. The customer service you get from BK servos is, is top notch, you know, and I like it. So yeah, I, thanks, I recommend dude. it. And a lot of folks, you know, they'll ask, they'll, be like, oh, it's just RJX rebranded or this or that. And it's not just about the actual servo itself. Um, you know, like like things like the 3001, my Goblin 380, like I would crash it, always strip out the output gear. Like I would always break mm -hmm. that output gear. But it's nice that, okay, you know, they break. We'll see. And you can buy just the output gear, you know, see, not to buy a whole set. Or, uh, what helicopter? It's a, the 380 Goblin. What servo horns? Uh, the SAB, SAB one. ones, yeah. Yeah, that's your problem right there. Yeah? Those horns are way too strong, dude. You could fly a 700 with those horns. They're, like, <laughs> incredibly freaking. Because when we were testing the 380, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was also with SAB back in those days and we were testing that machine in Italy and like I had a few crashes. I was flying MKS servos at the time because I didn't have BK 3001s. Mm-hmm. They weren't available. And, uh, and we had a couple of crashes and on both crashes, we stripped those servos. And I told those guys, I'm like, you got, you have got to make that horn a little bit thinner. And they said, well, it's too late. We already got the mold purchased. They said, okay, whatever. But I encourage people just to try, just to use a regular, flimsy cheapo horn because it'll break before the output gear breaks and the reason why that and nobody really knows this but the reason why i the output gear breaks is because in the beginning it wasn't the output gear it was a combination of either you know one of the gears Mm -hmm. and so because everybody was stripping gears because of the 380 (laughs) using the sab horns um God, I'm being blatant, blatantly honest here. Um, this, is like <laughs> appreciate stupid, it. this is like confidential company information. But what I did is I made the output gear the sacrificial gear on purpose okay. um, because I figured if if that's the sacrificial gear and people are running really stiff, really, really strong servo horns, mm-hmm. at least that gear is going to break and not all the gears. And then I that's why we start. That's around the time when we started selling. Um, that's probably like three or three or four months before we started selling the output gears by themselves. Right. And, and cause we were getting a lot of complaints about gear stripping and I knew better. And like, I, you know, every time somebody emails and says, well, I recommend try change your horns, but you know, I didn't want to go in public and make a statement and say, don't use those horns. Cause there's nothing <laughs> right. wrong with, I mean, it's up to people's discretion, whatever they want to use. Mm-hmm. It's no different than people flying 700. So, metal aluminum horns which i also discourage people from doing but people still do it you know i mean something's got to give especially on a setup like a goblin where there's nothing in between your swash blade and your servo other Mm -hmm. than one rod i mean and the servo is is hard mounted onto aluminum like and the servo is in in itself is aluminum (laughs) like the servo case yeah and like you you have nothing to give so something's got to give and obviously it's going to be the gears so and i even like steel gears, I tested steel gears. They don't strip as easily, but the problem with them is they'll start developing a lot of slop. Mm-hmm. So then you get the issue with people saying, my servos are sloppy, you know? Well, of course, you know, after two, three crashes, they, you, the right, gears yeah. might not strip, but they start getting bent slightly and then they start developing slop. So it's just better just to replace the gear, to be honest with you. And then you have a solid servo that doesn't have any slop. Or right. use the cheap servo horns, the yeah. cheap ones, that's, the that's ones really that come with the servo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And awesome. obviously, they're flex a little bit, but I have never noticed the difference in flight. I mean, I fly the flimsy ones, and I, I can't tell the difference in flight. Kyle Stacy swears that they're they're too full. Well, dude, for your level, maybe, but for me, they're <laughs> working just fine, you know? Again, with the one percentile, yeah, you might notice it, but not the rest. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's awesome. It's good to know. Exactly. So. Hey, now, now your new venture, right? It's your SAB. You're the official U.S. distributor now. Well, officially, uh, I guess without any product, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> officially, yes. Um, they've been they've been um, talking to us for actually quite some time about the possibility of. Uh, working together and doing some sort of like SAB USA um, subsidiary and, and distributing all their products in the U S and everything else. And it just never happened for one reason or another, you know, 
I guess the stars didn't line up correctly, but we finally gotten got to an agreement earlier this year and we've been working towards it. So hopefully, um, hopefully in the next, God, I'm hoping July, July 4th opening party. Mm -hmm. We were aiming for June 25th, but that's not going to happen because we have a, a big container that's coming by sea. Our very first shipment is like a big container. And wow. it's going to arrive in the port of Jacksonville on the 20th. So from that point, it takes probably another week to get to us or whatever. Well, it mm -hmm. gets, you know, goes through customs and does all the stupid stuff. And so and then obviously we have to do all the stocking and all the organization, you know, all the organizing, all the stock and everything else. So I'm thinking we'll be open the first week, week in July. So that's what, three weeks from now, more or less, I guess. Yeah, yep, it is yep. the 13th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that very close to the comet release? No, the fireball release. Fireball. fireball. Yeah. yeah, we That's will it. have the fireball as it, it is released. Like in other words, if we don't if we don't have all the stock, mm -hmm. um, the rest of the stock, like all the other kids and all the other parts and everything else, we will have the fireball as soon as it is released. And they're telling me that that'll be on the twenty fifth. So for that, we will, we will have the product because we already have pre-orders from dealers and customers and stuff. We're taking pre-orders right. for the Fireball on, the, on our website and through our dealers. So that we will have. But like as far as everything else, you know, kits and parts and blades and everything SAB makes, we probably right. won't have all the stock ready for, to sell until I would say first week in July. So it'll follow about a week. A week to ten days from the fireball release, if the fireball release happens on time. But I'm not saying it's going to be delayed. But you know how it is; it's a new kit. It could be five days late. You know, it's just it's sure. one of those things that is never really exact. You know. Yeah, I know we got a lot of people looking forward to that little thing. So, yeah, I'm interested to know what that's all about. The the direct motor to motor drive. It's cool. There. It's cool. Have you have you been? Like, have you had a chance to fly and test it? Yeah. Yeah. I actually should be, I'll probably be doing a video like very soon. I'm thinking oh. like within a week or so. Awesome. Um, it's, I think it's pretty cool. It's, it doesn't break easy. So I think people will like that. It's, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty strong. Yeah. I feel like it is strong. I feel like it's like the stronger goblin ever made probably just because it's so small you know there's sure. a lot less mass and inertia but mm -hmm. um i think it's a lot of fun never been a big fan of like small machines but honestly like this thing i really do i just don't it's not it's like anything else that is that small you don't want to fly it in like a very windy day i mean you can but you know it's not fun yeah, but man. you know on a calm day or a relatively small area it's pretty cool um, and you know, I don't have a lot of room in my house to fly. Like I have a lot of property, but it's mostly, you know, there's lots of trees. Huh? So, um, when I fly my 700, which I do on rare occasions is like almost scary cause I got <laughs> trees everywhere. <laughs> right. So I, I enjoy flying the little guy cause it's like, it's just, it's, but I mean, by the time I hit the tree, I'd, I'd be so far away. Like it, you know, I'd be stupid yeah. to go that far with it. You right. know, it'd be a dot in so, the sky. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the hashtag KeepRC Helis Alive. Everyone here obviously knows why you started that movement. And do you still see the RC helicopter community or industry kind of going down? Or do you see that there's maybe a resurgence of like 
you know, um, more people kind of getting back into it. I, I mean, Nitro seems, especially, I've been seeing a big intake of that. Yeah, it seems to me that in, in the last, I would say, three to four months, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it, it's getting back by any means to the levels sure. where it was. It's not even remotely close to that. But I see less, I, I see like it's, I guess I could say it's starting to stabilize to where I think it's reached rock bottom. So, so that's a really good thing. You know what I mean? Like that means it sure. can only go out from this point on. Like right. I feel like if anything, I see a little bit more activity, um, in the last two or three months that I saw towards the end of last year, you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's just because the season, you know, now we're getting into summer and like people are more active and flying more, but I don't mm-hmm. think so. Cause like traditionally you never see those up. It, it's been such an incredible growth since I would say 2008 or so until two years ago that I never really saw ups and downs, you know, like comparing like the fall with the summer or the winter, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Seasonal stuff. Right? But it, yeah. I never felt that way, but um, it feels almost as if like there's a little bit more activity out there. In, in the last couple of months that I saw like towards the end of last year. So that might be a positive, you know, um, you know, the event in Virginia was a good indicator. You know, there were, I forgot a hundred pilots, I think, which yeah. were somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I think it was a little over a hundred. Yeah. yeah. I thought we yeah. were like one forty when we showed up on Saturday yeah, I want to say mid, something. like right. 160, yep. I and, think. And, and that's awesome considering, uh, you know, how terrible the weather was and how bad the weather was forecasted to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's very encouraging that that shows that there are still people out there that, you know, there's there's still an interest. I think the big thing with the helicopters has been the drones. And I'm not meaning the FPV drones. I'm meaning the turnkey stuff sure. that you go and buy in Best Buy or that you buy at mm-hmm. GameStop at the mall or that, you you know, you buy through Amazon. I think that has been the big what what has what's basically responsible for the for the slowdown in the hobby. Because back in the day, if you wanted something that flew and hovered, you had no choice. You had to go to a hobby shop. Right. That was it. Go to a hobby shop. They talk you into, I don't know, a Blade, mm-hmm. whatever, 450X or whatever they would talk you into. Yeah. You go home. You crash it a couple of times. You come back. You ask for help. They help you. Eventually, you join a club somewhere. And you start flying a bigger machine. You get hooked. Yeah. Um, with these things, people go to Best Buy. They buy a Phantom. Now they're buying a Mavic or whatever they buy, and you know. They go home, they push the button, it flies itself, it lands itself, and they do that for two, three, four, six, eight, ten weeks. And eventually they're like, this is freaking boring, and it sits in the closet, or they sell it on eBay, or they sell it to a friend, or it just sits mm-hmm. there. And these people completely bypass the hobby, completely. They never even knew what the hobby was all about, you know? Especially in the old days with the helicopters and stuff, where, you know, folks would buy one off them. well, whatever the one ads were at the time. We didn't have Craigslist and stuff back there, and they'd go out and crash it one time, and they'd give up on the hobby too so i mean it's not a new thing yep yep i agree i agree it's just i think that the 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 drones with the push button have made it really easy for people to 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 get into something that flies but but in general not just the drones just it seems like people are gravitating towards instant gratification you know 
you know, back in the day, I remember we enjoyed building these things. We, it was, it was thrilling. It was, it was cool. It was fun. It was like, you know, me and my buddies used to get together and like, you know, I would have a couple of friends over just because we were going to build helicopters and, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they would help me build my new machine or I would help them build their new machine. And we'd just spend eight hours, you know, all night long building. And that was fun, you know? And you had yeah. to like sometimes size bowlings and you had to like, and even before those days, you had to dial indicate like, uh, clutches, uh, you know, uh, collets on the motor fan or, or, or clutch shafts and things, you know, things like that. You know, the models have gotten easier, you know, now you open a box like a goblin and it just goes together by the instru- <laughs> as per the instructions. And I, yep. I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, when you were, you know, getting into this, I mean, I, I was following the same time. I was big. I, I remember reading uh, about the same helicopters you're describing in the RC magazines. You know, the the, the old timers from then was like, you know, back in my day, we didn't even use tail gyros. You you newfangled high tech kids here with your your tail gyros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so- yeah, yeah. I I agree. I agree. It's it's just been progressing and progressing like crazy. You know. Well, and so I mean, one of the things I I don't know if you're familiar with flight test. I I work with them, and and I like yeah. the fact that. Um, they're bringing back building the the, the foam planes. Yep. I mean, yes, it's not you know eight hours of trying to resize ball links or anything, but you're <laughs> you're you're seeing in the forums where the guys are starting to say, "Hey, listen, you know what? What is that balsa stuff? Maybe, maybe I should yeah, try yeah. that." The foam stuff wasn't so bad. Let me try the next one. And we're seeing this kind of resurgence on all of that. And uh, I think this is an opportunity instead of you know. Being critical of the over easy access to the thing, I, I think that's a bonus. We, we're going to lose some of those people, but with the easy access, I think we're getting a larger potential audience if we'd reach out and actually kind of draw them in more actively than just the you know the standard dismissal of well they're they're just in for the easy flying. No, you got you got a val- you got a very valid point there. You actually do have a very valid point because that has its advantages too, no doubt about it. Absolutely, you can get more people in. The thing is trying to get people. Uh, I wouldn't say interested. It's it's trying it's spreading the word about the hobby because a lot of people again they're so um, uh, the, these easy turnkey ready to fly type things are so widely available that it, it it makes it more difficult for people to be aware of the hobby in itself. You know well, what I mean? And that's so, where yeah. you, you know maybe do some community outreach. You're not catching them on the hobby forums because they don't need to go there because they've got the push button thing. Maybe exactly. have a day. Go out there somehow and figure out a way to invite the people to your field. Say, hey, okay, yeah, you got the drone. That's cool. While you're doing that, here, let me show you some of this stuff over here. You, you know, there's more to it than just the four four motors and a, and a push button start. Um, mm-hmm. And you might might be able to draw them in that way. And I think instead, of, I mean, because a lot of the flying fields, I mean, we got one of the ones I go to is as, as Steve can you know call them plankers, um, but they have. A, <laughs> They've excluded drones from the flying field. You're not allowed to bring a drone into the flying field. Really? And, uh, so it's like you're you're getting rid of all these kids. That that's that's their video game access. And then and the sad thing is, I mean, and they brought in some kids that you know, kind of because the parents dragged them in. That you know, some of those kids are just killing it on some of the the precision aerobatics and stuff like that. So you know, I, I think oh, I think. Sir. And, and I see it. I mean, even at the AMA level on the on the AMA Facebook page and stuff, where they're just constantly bashing the drones instead of saying, "Hey, listen, here's an opportunity instead of a problem." Yep. This is true. This is very true. Those are very not, good not, valid points. Not that I feel strongly on it. 
<laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I mean, and, and it's funny because I mean, not on that level. You know, I I got into planes and I got into helicopters big. Like I dove myself into helicopters because I wanted to get good at it. I never thought I'd get a nitro, and now I have a nitro, and I have this is my second one I have, and I, I'm loving it. You know, like, and I feel like nitros kind of, in in the aspect of a small part of the helicopter, or even on the airplane side. You know, it started to make a comeback. More people are like, cool, electric's awesome, it's easy, but Nitro has soul, has, you know. Yeah, Nitro's are know. freaking awesome. I, yeah, I agree. Awesome, I've right? seen a resurgence of Nitro for sure. Yeah. I mean, Bobby designed the Gaui X7 um, right after Bodo's, I think, releases NX7 uh, or N7, is it? N7. N7. And then, and then NX7. Um, and, yeah, and then Goblin released their Goblin Nitro. And yeah, there's been, so I mean, you've, I mean, there's been three new models in the last three years or whatever, which, you know, five years ago it was unheard of because Nitro was practically dying. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's it. I mean, the hobby is just so freaking awesome. You know, it's just it's there's every to me is, you know, you guys have really good points in the sense that, sure, making things easier is also cool. But, you know, it's almost like the the a true hobbyist needs to be able to enjoy all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I've I've done you know cars, RC cars, yep. uh, off road RC car racing. I've done the planes. I've even done gliders. I mean, I've done it all. <clears throat> I'm not saying I've done it to the level I've done helicopters. No way. But sure. but it's good to explore and try because all aspects of the hobby are just pure freaking fun. I mean, it's just such a cool hobby, you know. Yeah, and if you don't try, you don't know. Right. Yeah. You don't know if you'll like it, if that'll be your next big thing that you dive into. So it's it's worth a try. Um, And uh, to touch on what Fred was saying, I think that Bert does actually do what he can do to bring people in just by going to some of these events. I mean, when you hear guys like, you know, Kyle Stacey, Bert Hammer, you know, are going to be at some of these events, you're like, oh, wow, I'm going to go check this out. Maybe I can get a chance to talk to him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, not even talk to them, just to see them fly because them fly, I've been yeah, watching yeah. Bert's video, you know, Bert's videos forever. And it's just like, you know, one of my favorite videos is still when he's flying a little T Rex 450 fly bar, Ellie, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. What he could do with this thing. And to see that in person, it's like, it's worth, okay, let me take a six hour drive and spend some money and pack And not only that, stuff, like people know? learn people learn from us too the same way that when i used to go to events you know i don't know 12 13 14 years ago i used to learn from some of the top guys back in the day you know because mm-hmm. you know people ask questions and they get ideas for setups and they you know it's just yeah. it's just and and you get to meet a lot of cool new people which is really awesome too you yeah know? yeah definitely. i mean I, like i've known about you guys for a while and i don't think i ever had a chance i mean I, I think we've crossed paths but i don't think we ever had a chance to like meet like formally you know what i mean Right. And, I think, but, yeah, and Virginia's you, the first. Yeah, and that, and that, that's what the events are cool for, you know? Like, that's just, it's just, it, you, you get to know so many people, and like, and, and it doesn't matter if you're well educated or you're poorly educated or if you're rich or if you're poor, or if you're a doctor or you're a freaking plumber. Everybody is just, it, it gets along. Everybody's friends, and there's no, there's, it's just cool, you know? It's 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 probably <clears throat> excuse me one of the very few hobbies that I've ever done in my life to where you know again there's no 
there's no boundaries in terms of who your friends are. It doesn't matter. You don't care what they do for a living. You don't care. I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know what I'm oh, saying? No, yeah, saying yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. You yeah, just, no you competition. hang out and you, no, yeah, you, it yeah. doesn't matter. Fun you hang out, hang out. You, yeah. have, you have fun with, because you have that thing in common. Right. And, and I made some of the best friends of my life, like close personal friends outside of the hobby through the hobby. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty big, you know, that's, that's just really cool. I met my wife through the hobby, you know, I mean, right. it's, <laughs> I mean, that's just awesome. So, yeah. So it, I got to get people motivated to go to events, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. That's, that's mm-hmm. important. That's what I always tell people. Like, I mean, I understand that it's, it's not easy. You know, sometimes people don't have the budget or the ability to make it, but you know, I mean, if, if there's a, if there's a way or a possibility, you know, if there's something within driving distance or something, just try to make it to an event because yeah. you're, you, you learn a lot and you meet a lot of cool people and it's just, it's just a cool experience. And, and, and the best part of it all is like the, the, the minute you go to one nice event, like say like Virginia, for instance, mm-hmm. you're going to be so hooked. You're going to want to go to all the events around you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's not even just. Yeah, you know, I mean, because we have we have folks that are that only fly planes or folks that only fly multi-rotors. It's not just the helicopter events, you know. We're we're also talking about the plane events and well, yeah, your course, multi-rotor yeah. races and all that stuff. That I mean, the, my first event, you know, is was basically an airplane event. You know, it was like that's all they did is fly airplanes, and and it was just an amazing time. Like if you pick the right event, I think. Um, which I would say 90% of events are the right event. Um, you know, that'll just open your eyes to this world of like the crazy, like brotherhood that you get, you know, by going to these, these events, uh, the community that you actually see, the real hobbyist, the real community, you know, yeah. not the forum and the people bashing or, or, you know, trolling and stuff like that, but like the real stuff. And- yep. And a lot of there's no egos. Like kind of everybody at this hobby, everyone kind of checks their ego out. I mean, I remember the first time going to a fun fly. I was with one of my friends, and it was actually Hell Extravaganza. And Bert, you were there. This was years and years ago. And I remember my buddy with me saying, "Look, there's Bert. There's Bert Cameron. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" <laughs> and it's funny, yeah. like, and people now do that to me. They're like, "Look, there's Bert. There's Bert." So we'll go talk to him. They're like, "No, I can't go talk to him." I'm like, sure you can. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's not one for like most bit. Let's say I don't know. Big events like the you call the superstars of the event, like they're all, you know, they're always behind, you know, walls or banners or curtains. Or, you know what I mean? Like they're never just tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. You're not with everybody. So cool. This hobby is like everybody from the top flyers to the guy that's hovering his new helicopters all in the same field, all hanging out, all talking. No one's worried about who's better than the other person or, you know, that's what yeah. I think I've liked about the hobby the best from day one. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree, agree more, dude. Like, and you know, that used to, uh, but I think that happens to everybody. Cause I, I, I mean, I, I, I was never a shy person. Like when I went to some of my first events, I went and approached the top guys. I was like, Hey, you know, I have a question for you or whatever. Yeah. Good to meet you or whatever. But I could see, I could see what you're saying, but, but you know, the people that are listening right now, they need know that like if you if they go to an event they just need to go and like if, if they really want to meet one of these guys go and introduce yeah. yourself to them a lot yeah. like 99 yeah. of those guys are just down to earth cool guys you know yeah. and they they will be more than happy to meet you and answer any questions that you know that you may have so hey i got to say i flew tandem with kyle stacy in virginia 
Yeah. Yeah, because he was flying <laughs> down the flight line when I was flying out. And I said that to him. I was like, hey, man, I can tell people I flew tandem with you. He's like, absolutely, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was like fly fishing uh, while you're at three. You're like, yeah. It was the best time to fly because nobody was had a, gave a damn what I was doing. <laughs> right. Kyle, Kyle is cool, man. Kyle's a great kid. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I did that. Actually, you, Kevin, you said that was funny. I did that like five, I think five years ago at Orlando. I had my T-Rex Nitro 600 fly bar, and I remember hovering all the way down the right side because I couldn't do anything else. I was only flying for like three months. I'm down there in the corner hovering, and next to me is Nick Maxwell, you know, doing Ooh. these nice. hurricanes six inches mm-hmm. off the ground completely through my box because he knew I was, you know, 50 feet up just doing nothing. <laughs> I could say, hey, at least I flew with Nick Maxwell. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Hell yeah, man. <laughs> I told everybody that story forever. I'm like, yeah, I flew a Dick Maxwell. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, we're flying together. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, to, to talk about tandem flights, right? Do you want to let's talk a little bit about you and uh, and Matt's flight in Virginia? That was, that was amazing crazy. flying from both of you guys. That was killer. I was disappointed in the sense that I wanted a nitro so I could fly longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I was too freaking lazy to get my nitro out because, <clears throat> excuse me, I already like cleaned it. Mm-hmm. And like, I spent a lot of time cleaning it. So I was like, eh, I don't want to just get it out and just fly it one time and then have to clean it again or possibly <laughs> have to repair it afterwards. Right, right. I, I felt so, like that uh, was taunting you a little <laughs> with oh, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Little. So... Yeah. But no, it was it was it was fun. I, I, again, I wish I would have had like a, a nitro, so I could have um, I could have flown longer, you know. Yeah. But no, he he, um, Matt is is Matt. I love Matt, man. I've known Matt for for a long, long time, and and uh, the only thing with Matt is I, I get a little bit scared sometimes because he he gets a little <laughs> close, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's his style, you know, and 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 he's doing a lot of cool auto rotations lately. He oh yeah, amazing. Those, so, yeah, we did yeah, talk about you with the, when you guys were after the tandem flight when he was doing the autos. I think at one point you you actually ran the other direction. Yeah, you and Susie were like did, walking back, walking back, back oh, up a little bit. Yeah, there was. A, he yeah. grabbed Susie like, all right, let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was a point in time when he scared me a little bit, but no, I think I walked back in there or something. I, I you know. did. That was just yeah, funny. Yeah. I was like, I think on my video I said. I think Bert just got scared. (laughs) He kind of got me there for a little bit, for sure. He did. He looked, I was actually jumped and I was 50 feet behind or 40 feet behind you. (laughs) And I thought he was coming in on on us. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. he got, he, he likes, he's got some control. Yeah, absolutely. But he, um, he enjoys doing that kind of crazy stuff on occasion. You got to get him motivated though. But he, um, oh yeah, he can, uh, yeah, Matt's an excellent pilot. I mean, God, I, I remember like, I met Matt Botos. I think it could have been 2003 or four at, um, uh, Clint, Clint Aiken's fun fly at his house in Georgia. And I was very impressed with his flying when I first saw him fly. And, and he was, he was awesome. He's still a great pilot. You know, and Matt does this like we do. He does it for a living. So I know how much that takes away from, you know, the motivation factor. And, and, you know, he still flies pretty often. So. And, you know, and yeah. he's an older guy, not as old as I am, but he's, he's a little older, too, you know, which mm-hmm. makes it even harder. But, yeah, he's still rocking it, man. Yeah. He's going to get you know, the crowd pumped up. I remember, too, Orlando the first yeah. couple of years. He, oh, yeah. He'll do that, that 430 power hour, whatever he calls it, like just calling everybody out. You know, everyone, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, all the old school guys, let's start getting the helicopters out here and, yeah, you know, either, 
either go as low as you can and break them or go till you break them. I mean, that's pretty much what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Definitely good to get the crowd pumped up. Yeah. And the pilots, you know? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one thing I noticed about Matt when he flies is he, like, in Virginia, it looked like every flight he was just having a great time, you know? He was really enjoying it. So it's not like yeah, a chore or it's not like a, a business thing to show off his helicopters or what they can do. It's like he thoroughly enjoys flying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he loves it. He still does. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, you could – I mean, nobody could be doing this kind of stuff um, – you know, as a business, unless you really, really loved it, because right. like I was telling you guys earlier, for a lot of reasons, but also for the fact that, you know, contrary to what may, many people may think, there's really not a whole lot of money in this as a business. So, I mean, you, you got to do it. You know, and Matt, you know, Matt worked for um, Earthlink back in the day. I mean, Matt, mm-hmm. um, Matt's got I think he's got an engineering degree, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I do too. I mean, like we both could go into a completely different line of work and probably make like twice as much. But you sure. know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, it's just it's we do it because we love it. I mean, it's obviously it gives us a lot of flexibility and it's just more fun than clocking in and out. But it's also comes at a price um, in terms of you know your financial, you know, compensation. So mm-hmm. so yeah, you. I mean. I'm sure Matt would have many other options when it comes yeah. to a normal job making a little bit more money, but he just loves it. You know, he really so does. The podcast is not my uh, 401k program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day, Chris. Maybe one day. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the dividends check. I haven't seen any come in. Yeah. I'll keep waiting. <laughs> Man, <laughs> good luck. Like, making a living in the freaking hobby is so tough. It's not even I funny. Know. People think it's easy. Like, like, you know, I'm not saying that I have a bad life, but the life I have is not because of the hobby. It's because of good decisions <laughs> I made earlier in life, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, but if it was for the hobby, no, nah, no way. I mean, <laughs> um, I can't complain, but no way. It's not. Yeah. It's not. No. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, some people have made a lot of dough in the hobby for sure, but I think you got to put a lot into it to get something out of it, you know? Yeah. Sure. Like maybe SAB has made a lot. I know a line back in the day made a lot way back sure. in the day. Oh God, those guys just made a lot of coins. I think I heard at some point that they made they were making more from their model business than they were making from their appliance business because you know they were into appliances before they got into helicopters, you know. Yeah. Back in and the- they were apparently doing really well back in the day. So isn't isn't I mean you don't have to disclose if you don't have to. Isn't SAB kind of the same thing? Isn't this just like a a small portion of their their big investment company or? No, no, not no. really. Um, oh, okay. No, S- I mean- S- no SAB. Well, SAB got investors for the venture, of course. Like, it's not owned by. I mean, they have silent partners, I guess you could say. In terms no, of I thought. Like, yeah, know, I just thought it was like a bigger but, company, and they're like, you know, and they had like a little. I call it the corner, no, you know, but okay, no, maybe that was a line you know, somebody was talking about. But I thought they said SAB was the same. Yeah, the owner of SAB, Stefano, the guy that started SAB, like I think twenty years ago, maybe he started it doing blades. That was the main business, right? Like, oh, okay, cool. rotor blades, yeah. And then, um, and actually the name SAB comes from his initials and like he had a partner and then he, that's what he did for many, many years. They were actually doing really well with SAB blades for many years, but I think, I don't think SAB blades became really, really big in the U S I think, um, for a period of time, 
what was the name of um uh what was the name of that company well i know miniature aircraft was importing sab blades for a few years and then um todd bennett like when todd bennett was doing synergy with mm-hmm. jason kraus before matt bodos got synergy um they were distributing sab blades in the u.s and i don't know if you guys remember if you were around when there was um uh run Lunds, i think run Lund hobby shop which was then became part of hell uh heli pros or whatever they they were moving a lot of sab blades back in the day but then they what happened was the owner of sab um was approached by this new guy enrico the designer of the goblin mm-hmm. and basically enrico told him hey i designed this helicopter you know i want you to you know i want to see if you're interested in buying my design and it's pretty unique. It's different. You know, it's got this boom that is nothing like you've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. And then when Stefano, the owner, saw it, he's like, I'm really interested, but I'm not going to buy from you. I'd do it if you come and become, you know, if you become my partner and we open a new company and call it SAB Heli Division. Uh, I see. <laughs> and that's how SAB uh, Heli Division started and how the Goblin started. So, oh, okay, cool. Well, they came all from the blade blade uh business so and i think it was doing some other composite stuff maybe for airplanes or something like that perhaps but yeah he was in the hobby strictly in the hobby that's great i didn't know that wow so bk uh you got a new building <laughs> so you guys moved mm, we finished moving sunday night oh wow so, so just this past two days ago then yeah two nights wow. ago and i still had an air conditioner guy here yesterday and today I installed security lighting, alarm system, and all that stuff myself. So, yeah, I think I'm done at this point. <laughs> uh, nice. No, not yet because I need insulation. I haven't even done insulation. But after insulation, it's done. Awesome. So, yeah. So, so is, is this been, like a, just a bigger facility? Is this a new headquarters for, for you know, are you going to have like a storefront? I mean, can you tell us a little more about the building? Um. I don't think we will have a storefront just because logistically it's very difficult to have a place that is suitable for um, shipping, you know, fast and efficient shipping and storefront at the same time. Because the way we lay out our product is really not, it's very practical for picking orders and shipping orders, but is absolutely not suitable for people coming and browsing because all they're looking is at a, a, big rows of shelves with bin numbers mm-hmm. you know right so it would be impossible for people to even find the part but basically it's just like a 2000 square foot building it's not huge but it's a decent size okay. and uh it's just it's just a good way to consult consolidate everything we do including this new sab venture and all the goblin kits and parts plus you know our servos and blades and everything else and you know we're gonna have everything in there our offices our warehouse like everything's all in one spot and just, you know, it's just been a really uh, hard process because we pretty much did the whole job ourselves, like me and a friend. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. not physically with my hands, all of it, but a, but a lot of it with my hands. Like, sure. you know, I, I pull the permits myself. I contracted the subcontractors to do some of the mm-hmm. work, like the, you know, the, the work that I didn't want to do, like laying block and pouring a slab and mm-hmm doing shingles but beyond that like everything else has been done by us like paint electrical really? like, so I mean, this is a new building new building like new structure 
Yeah, hundred percent, brand new. Oh wow! It's sitting, wow. it sits about one hundred and fifty yards from my house. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, our property, our property has two entrances. Literally, like we have like a main road entrance, mm-hmm. and then we have another entrance through the back through another road. So okay. the building is can be accessed through that back entrance without even coming into our house. You know, like in you right, know right. through our, you know what I mean? Like yard. yeah, it's a separate. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's super convenient and it made sense financially and like, it just made perfect sense just to do that instead of leasing, you know, a commercial building somewhere that would have cost thousands of dollars a month. You know, we'd rather spend the money and like having something of our own that's in our own property. So seemed to work well, but, but we couldn't afford just hiring a general contractor to do. You know, because we're getting into a big commitment with all this product and everything. So it was impossible to afford hiring right. somebody to give us a turnkey building. So that's why we kind of decided to do most of the work ourselves or hire people directly ourselves to do it. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been crazy work. Like literally like early last week, I was digging a 300 and some foot trench four feet deep to run electrical wire <laughs> into the building. Mm-hmm. And then like. I think there was Last, a Facebook Live video you doing that, wasn't there? <laughs> Susie was, was taping video and you when you were digging one of the trenches pretty, doing something with the skid steer. She, she could have been. <laughs> I mean, and then, that's um, awesome. Though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but it's it's been cool. It's been a fun project. I learned a lot. I mean, it's uh, and you know what? Um, it's it's cool to uh, to just. I mean, it's it's like a good exercise, man. We've been working physically our butts off, so which is right. kind of cool. It makes you feel like. You accomplish something, you know. I'm oh, yeah. not saying that we don't otherwise, yeah. but yeah, yeah no, you can appreciate you, it more when you build it yourself. Right. Take pride in it, right? Yeah, yeah. You see it come to life; it's pretty cool. So yeah. it's it's and it, it didn't even take that. Long. I mean, it kind of I feel like it took forever, but it really realistically didn't take that long. I mean, we started, I think, middle of April. Oh wow! Like, I think we had nothing. I think early April we had nothing. By middle of April, I think it's when they poured the slab. So two months. So. I mean, there's still some things that need to be done longer term. Like we have like sort of temporary offices, you know, we haven't like done much of the work for drywalling inside and things like that. Mm But, you know, it'll come in its due time. You know, we're just taking it easy. As long as we have it at this time, it's got internet service, it's got electric, it's got a nice brand new shipping station we built. Like it's, it's turnkey. It's ready, at least for the job, it's ready to go. And the most important AC. (laughs) <laughs> and AC, you got AC yesterday. Yeah, man, you need that here. But we need insulation now because, like, with the heat, it can yeah. barely keep up. So, right, right. But it's still better than being without it. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, I have one last thing I want to talk about with you, and um, and then oh, if anyone else, sure. Has before any before you move forward, don't don't let me forget. You asked me if we we're gonna have a showroom, and I didn't finish. We're not going to have yes. a showroom, but we will probably, and we'll probably like make a post or put it on the website. We will, once we get settled and going, we will probably allow walk-ins, I believe. I'm not okay. sure. It's not going to be like, come into the showroom because there's nothing to see. Yeah, like, yeah. To see. But if somebody's local or wants to come and hang or wants to place an order on the website and select in store pickup and come pick it up, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, sure. we will probably allow that. So oh, that's, that's cool. awesome. So that answers. That answers that question. I yes. sorry, I kind of got detoured into. No, no, no worries. There's a hobby shop by me or where I used to live that you tell them what part numbers, they'll bring it all out to you, and, and you know, 
give you actually yep. a little better price too, so which was nice. You might have like a little like probably I was thinking of having like a little iPad or something like sure. somewhere in the like waiting room, and then they can go in there and like yeah. select what they want, and then somebody goes in the back, picks it up, and brings it to them, you know, or something yeah. like that. We'll see. Yeah, I can do uh, that job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can hang out two thousand square feet of goblins you, all day. Pick, Picking orders, <laughs> picking orders is a pain in the butt, man. I do a lot of that myself. That's a pain in the butt. Well, the, the funny thing is, um, get FPV down in South Florida. Yeah, that's how they do it. You don't you don't deal with the person directly. You go in and you basically order online in the store, and they bring it to you. Oh, do you? That's cool. Nice. That's cool. That's efficient, man. Because like, I honestly believe that if you lay out your store for showroom style. You, you're not as efficient shipping. There's no way. There's just no way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like if everything's laid out in pegs or whatever to where it's visually appealing and easy for people to find by browsing is not as easy for a picker to find when they're rushing through orders and packing stuff. You know what I mean? It's much easier just to go to a, a shelf and a, and a bin number and Part, grab what's yeah. in that bin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, but then you also have that higher risk of loss to theft. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody where they were saying that if they did their, you know, they had their own hobby shop, they'd basically put like one of everything out there. You could point at it, tell them that's what you want, and they'd pick it off a shelf and back for you. You constantly see it on like Facebook and different places where these hobby shops are getting robbed right right while it's open. The guy just grabs it and walks out the door. Oh, and, man. I mean, I've seen like I know because Mark Graves, the owner of Graves RC here in Orlando, yeah. is a close friend of mine. Man, they've gotten. They've gotten stuff stolen like you you wouldn't believe how often. It's like ridiculous, like almost like weekly Jeez. and right in front of their eyes. Wow. And they have cameras and everything. But, you know, they see the person that takes stuff and then they don't see that, you know, they don't they don't come back again. It's like crazy. But, yeah, that's a good idea. You just keep one of each. The problem is you need a lot of room for that, you know. Yeah. Two thousand square feet ain't going to cut that. You need <laughs> like four thousand, you know. Or do like Walmart does and have like the uh, the little things on a card um, at the cash register and you just grab the <laughs> you just bring it the up. Card out? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Need all the all dough right. that they have first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So last thing I want to talk about is uh, so Bert, you and Bobby um, do your own podcast, right? So we haven't talk done about... one in forever, man. Yeah, it's been a little while. Just, I think a lot of us are waiting. Like they're gonna release something soon. I know it. <laughs> but well, uh, smack talk literally. Well, Bobby's been busy too. It's not just me. We both have. So I think he's got a new venture now too. He's got this thing called Drobotron, which yep. is like a uh, a drone, digital like billboard drone. So he's been busy with that project too. Hmm. Well, that explains it. No wonder why you don't like drones. They don't use servos. And they've taken your uh, <laughs> podcast partner. <away. laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't use servos. They don't use blades. Yeah, they don't use switch blades. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. Oh boy. All right. Uh, does anyone else have any questions for Bert? I have a question. Uh oh. How do you pronounce your last name? Is it camera? Camera. Camera. Or is it camera? Camera. Camera. Like on or camp? Because I've screwed that up numerous times. Every, everybody does. <laughs> Even my own wife doesn't know how to pronounce her own <laughs> last name, but it's just fine. It's technically, I mean, it's 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 German, but it, I mean, I guess in in America we'd say Camerer. Okay. So, but 
the the last R is kind of silent in German, but I guess here you would say Kammerer. But it doesn't matter. I've been called Kramer so many times or <laughs> Kim whatever. Like, oh my God, Kramerica, Kramerara, like all kinds of different weird things. So it, it doesn't bother me anymore. I grew up like that, so it's not a big deal. You and Frank are used to it. <laughs> oh, Frank is like, Frank's tough, man. Like, you know, and I grew up in South America. I'm, I'm half Spanish. My mom is Spanish and I still have a hard time with his last name. <laughs> all, right, uh, all right. So, so we need to hear it. Uh, I was just, that's what I was just leading into. <laughs> Moradelios. Moradelios. Wow. Dang, that's about the best one I've heard. I like that. <laughs> Don't you? I'm half Spanish, man. I, I did my entire high school in South America. I can speak very fluent Spanish. No problem. All right, Kevin. But, so uh, now, when, uh, when, when, when Frank contacts you and says that's not how to pronounce it, cut that out and then edit it back into here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe I'm screwing it up, Frank, but I think it's Moradelios. I think. Right. Frank, Frank says it wrong, too, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Frank How do you say Who says it wrong? Frank said it Fra- wrong in one episode. <laughs> Poor guy. Really, really nice. He's never going li- to live that down. Yeah, How, yeah. yeah. How, do you, how do you pronounce it, Chris? Oh, I don't even know. I get it wrong. Mordiados. Yeah, I said Mordiados. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys are killing me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I call him Frank M. That's all. Well, That's all. <laughs> Frank's gonna love it though. I knew a lot of Italian, so when I first read it, I was Mordellos. But uh Mordellos. I, didn't know I think that sounds closer. I don't know. That's a tough one. That's not a common one either, because like I said, I grew up in South America, so like yeah. I was used to like a lot of you know, traditional like Hispanic or Spanish last names, and that doesn't ring a bell. Like I don't think I've that's a pretty unique one right there. He's a unique guy. He's a unique yeah, guy. Definitely. <laughs> Francisco Moradelio. Yeah. <laughs> I love I'm it. Texting, I'm texting him now telling him that you're doing his last name. So he's going to say He's going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just two minutes, two seconds of fame. Francisco it's over. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. All right. Do we have any news and announcements? Yeah. Um, news. And announcements. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, awesome. I I found out today that Motion and uh, uh, the Mountain Models hobby shop is closing. Um, oh no. Yeah. Well. Well, selling. He's he's going to either sell or close. He's he's um, went to school and got his his stuff all taken care of and wants to pursue that career. And uh, so he's he's got a up for sale so i mean if, if you're familiar about models we're kind of we're talking about it earlier is the uh it's it's kind of the entry level for a lot of people into balsa flying um simple to fly gliders and, and little motor kits and stuff like that and, and a little bit more advanced as well but um so it's kind of a <laughs> you know it's probably gonna be someone scooping it up just for the nostalgia of it if nothing else and i can imagine with the the influx of uh you know the laser the 3d the cnc laser stuff man that Somebody will take that place or start creating kits. I mean, were they – I saw that on a website. Uh, I used to, you know, I used to browse that website every now and then. Was that – did they create the kits or were they just a retail for the kits? I'm pretty sure they did their own kits because the name of the uh, mountain, models, mountain Models and Laser Arts. Yeah, so okay. I think they I, off I used to, and went from there. Yeah, there was a few I used to check out. I just wasn't sure which one – was mountain we'll buy them up now so yeah that kind of sucks 
There's a few kits I've always kind of looked at, and uh, I might have to slap some money down so that, you know, get them all you can. Well, I have uh, some less saddening news. Um, <laughs> I saw, I said, saw, I actually saw something that made me laugh. I was on uh, Horizon Hobby looking around, and I saw the E Flight uh, Xvert VTOL. It says, Yeah. Steve's like, Yeah, whatever. It says, I saw it. <laughs> VTOL fun made simple. And I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would like to see how simple it is. Uh, but um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's see. Anything else? I think that's it for news. Okay. Yeah. Um, when this podcast is released, be on the lookout for an Ask Arnold post because we will be get, trying to get Arnold back uh, in the next episode. So be on the lookout for that. If you got a question, RC related or not, post or ask not. your question. Yeah. Let's, let's open it up. Okay. Cool. I got one little quick thing that when this release is actually, this kind of came in perfect timing mm-hmm. um, with Bert on the show. But on the RC Heli Hangout, actually tonight, if everybody's listening, of course, it's Starting tonight at seven o'clock is going to be BK weekend raffle for his servos, switchblades, um, pretty much everything he has. We're going to raffle off all sorts of different servo sets, um, nice. different blades. Yeah, it's going to be cool. So that uh-huh. kind of aligned up perfectly talking to him and can throw that out there. So check out the hangout and get in some raffles and win some servos for, you know, a couple dollars. You know, you have a chance to win. I need some Goblin 380 servos. I think I will be entering. There you go. We'll do it. All right. Well, now if I win, is there going to be a big controversy, or should I oh, hell, start of course. that road? <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. I'll have to enter under my phony name. Just, just enter well, under your wife's name. <laughs> we had a big. Um, we did have a big. Who wins? Who's going to be controversy? Because <laughs> no one's going to recognize me, <laughs> We did. We did clear it up last night. So the RC hangout is doing. Oh yeah, it's news and we can. Uh, I guess we can kind of say it on here also. Um, RCL Hangout is now doing a flight team. Um, we're putting together a, you know, a bunch of pilots. Um, basically it's not a sponsorship. It's just a, a group of, a, you know, it's a flight team. That's it. There's, you know, so we got Ron Course Jr. is heading it up. He's going to be our flight team manager. Um, so looking forward to, he's going to have to bring to the table. And, um, so with that being said is the only way you cannot be in the raffle is if you're on the flight team. Or, of course, um, I'm sorry, if you're on the flight flight team, you can be a part of it, just not if you're an admin or a moderator on RC Heli Hangout. So there's three of us as of right now. We got me, Frank, and Ron Course. So we're the only three that can't be in the raffle. So, Kevin, you're definitely allowed in the raffle without any drama, I promise. Okay. Unless you win, then you give it to me. Then that'll cause drama. (laughs) Like Fred (laughs) said, man, Uh, there's going to be drama either way. Nah, no, no drama. We're good. Okay. But if you win, you can donate it to me. I was serious about that. All right. So, okay. Steve, are we are we wrapping it up? Uh, well, let's go to what's next for you now, Javi. Oh, right. Forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So, what's, what's next, next for, for you, you Fred? <laughs> wow. I, I didn't want to interrupt you guys with the long list on the on the sheet here, but uh, this uh this week, so it's going to be what happened for me in the past. By the time this is aired. Um, but on Thursday, I've been invited to do a talk on, well, generically they termed it drones, but it's going to be all my RC stuff, airplanes, helicopters, quadcopters, everything. 
to uh, two different group, groups of kids for the summer reading program, an elementary school group and a junior high school group. And so uh, kind of putting my money where my mouth is about trying to reach out to new audiences. Um, flight test threw some stuff at me. I've got some of their uh, stickers and shirts to hand out to the kids. Sweet. And um, I've got some STEM materials. Hopefully I can get at least the bug in the ear of some of the teachers in the area if they come in with the for the, uh, the library stuff to uh, maybe get some STEM in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I look at it, <laughs> if we get some kids and parents flying, that's more people I can go flying with around here. Cool. Nice. All right. So let's see. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. Um, what's next for me? I will be... I got some work to do on some helicopters. Um, I think I figured out... Like I thought the the whole Black Thunder tail blowout was resolved by the the tail blades from Christy Imani, but yeah. um, it happened again this past Sunday. And you know, one of the things it was like, okay, it happened to me. Maybe it's just me, right? I, I never take that out of equation. It might just be my flying. So I, I hand over my heli to uh, uh, Devin to fly, and you know, sure enough, boom, it happens to him too. So it's like, okay, two different pilots, two different you know flying styles. So it's it's not. It's not the pilot, I don't think. It's definitely something with the helicopter. Um, and one thing I noticed is, you know, I have these servos in, and I was pushing on the tail servo, and I'm, I'm easily able to stall out the servo, meaning, like, it's it's holding one way, and I could just push it all the way to the other side. So that would explain a blowout, right? Like, the tail's trying to hold. It's trying to hold that that angle of the, um, the tail in the funnel, and then psh, it just, you know, blow out. Um, I, I spoke to support and yeah, you know, they're going to replace it or they're going to look into it, which is great. You know? Okay, cool. Um, besides that, it's, it's just not my week for fucking helicopters. Um, I noticed that, you know, on, on one of my helis, I don't want to, I don't want to bash any brands. I don't want to even say anything. So I'm just going to say one of my helicopters, I had an issue with the swash plate. The swash plate was coming loose on me. Um, basically, the way that the, the swash is built, it's kind of flanges out from the top part of the swash plate to the bottom, the main big bearing. Um, and that was kind of loosening up or whatever. So, like, I was getting play where I can move my um, the top part of the swash separately from the bottom part of the swash. So, I'm going to oh, be geez. ordering. Yeah. You know, and, and we kind of pinned it. We kind of, like, you know, tapped on it and, like, bent the metal back. So, pinned pinned itself against the gear better uh the the bearing better but you know what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna replace it i'm not even gonna you know talk to the, the manufacturer about it it's, it's it is what it is i'll try and see um you know i'll replace it and see if, if it happens again then I'll, I'll make note of it but so I'll, I'll probably be replacing that hopefully soon it's it's pretty expensive swash plate but um you know it is what it is uh and pretty much that's it that and just fly fly some more I enjoyed my stick time on the 690. Yes. And I just have to keep flying some more. Now I have three packs. So, uh, sweet. Should be able to get some more stick time in. Mm hmm. So I know what you mean. So that's what all I'll be doing is trying to fly. I actually want to fly some airplanes that I've been getting ready. And it's funny because Bert was saying, you know, and you were saying, you know, guys get into helicopters because, you know, it's a challenge and, I'm finding the warbirds more challenging, so I I'm kind of having fun with those now, and and on the plane side of thing, and then I can't wait to just get a couple of those out back out to the field. Nice. But I have to fix that sport, that oxy sport, because I'm hopefully hopefully gonna get I want to get that ready for HOD. 
Nice. I'm actually going to be selling my 380 and maybe my 420, but that I'll keep that for another. Is that, is that what's in the mail for me? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so what's next for you in the hobby, Chris? I don't know. I think I'm just going to fly. That's it. I don't have any projects I'm working on. I got everything's running. I do have. No, I'm sorry. I do. I do have a project. I forgot. I got my gasser um, from Jamie Paulson. Um, oh, got yes. Email action before I left um, for the cruise, but didn't touch it. Um, got everything opened up. Looks good. Um, you know, he definitely replaced everything that was broken. It doesn't look like it must. It must have not went in that bad because there's it only looks like the tail boom, you know, the tail and the torque tube or something like that, because everything else looks like, you know, it's got some dust on it. So it's not all brand new. Um, mm -hmm. So I think he over exaggerated a little bit when he said he actually crashed it. But it um, all looks good. I haven't you know, I started putting it together um, Well, I took it 100 percent apart. And then um, now I'm slowly starting to put it together. But um, I got some new BK servos sitting on the, on the in the box waiting to go in it and get this new 300 motor, you know, put in it and see how that thing runs. And nice. I think I might take the 300 out and put it in my Goblin um, just because and then put the 270 in that one for some reason. I don't, you know, because <laughs> I think the Goblin's <laughs> going to be my go to gasser. So I might, might as well put the bigger motor in that one. But no, okay. it looks cool. Like I said, I know I was a little worried about it when it when he crashed it. But Jamie, if you're listening, it's all good, man. Everything, you know, stand up guy. He said what he was going to do, and you know, I know he's been nervous about me being upset with him. Um, but like I said, you know, that's a chance you take flying these things, and they're going to crash. No big deal. I'm sure I'm going to crash it. So it worked out good. I'm happy with it, and hopefully, I can report back. Not probably not next week, maybe the week after about it. You know how it flies. Cool. Nice. All right. I guess uh, let's do our wrap up. All right, let's wrap, wrap it up. It up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look here and see what we got for Facebook. <clears throat> we are at 628 likes. That's plus four this week. And let's see how many names we have. We have four. So we have um, Kenneth Weeks, Corey Reinhardt. Oh, I hope I hope the music's going for this one's going to be. Uh, <laughs> This one's gonna be an interesting one. Um, I saw this one and I thought of you, Steve. Gerard, Gerard, Alzi, Austujen. <laughs> wow. Um, nailed yeah. it. I feel nailed it. it. Nailed it. <laughs> 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 so, but uh. That's awesome. And we have last one, um, Daryl Imhoff. So thank you everyone for liking us. Thanks. Sweet. Uh, Facebook comments. What do we have? Facebook comments. Aside from me uh, thanking Mark and, and talking to him, I didn't do anything uh, instant messenger or anything like that on Facebook. Oh, you know what we should mention? Um, we saw that our buddy Jim from RA Course was uh, oh yeah admitted admitted to the hospital for a little surgery there. I think on his heart, right? They found yeah. some some problems here and there, and just want to report that they fixed him up. I think put a stint in from what he posted mm -hmm. on Facebook, and he's back home resting uh, resting up. So that's good to hear, Jim. Yes, our thoughts and prayers were with you as as you went through that process. But that was really good to hear. I just heard that actually today. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, uh, let's see. Do we have anything for uh website? Well, uh, Chris Chris got a hold of, uh, not in me, 
and uh, was asking us for some information. So there's some changes to our about us page. Um, CJ, when flying my Blade 230, I have throttle trim at the lowest position. He's using a DX6i, and it bogs fairly badly and it's hard to do any 3D. But on a sim, I was flying with neutral 50-50, uh, 50% trim and it flies much better and much, much better at 100% trim. Does it actually matter on 3D what I should set it to? On the trim, I, I see I'm not really 100% familiar with the Blade 230S. Um, because it has like safe and their fly browse unit is, is kind of unique to, um, Spectrum. They have different settings for it. Uh, I know depending on the flight mode, it gives you a different amount of, uh, you know, throws and like negative pitch and positive pitch and stuff like that. So, you know, it might be hard to 3D. Go look in the settings and if you, in the manual, if it says something about like, you know, advanced flight mode or, or, you know, full 3D flight mode, usually those will have a linear, um, pitch curve. So you'll get like an equal positive negative and in those flight curves, um, you know, you'll like negative should feel the same as positive. So if you like flip it upside down, the amount of you know, positive, you need to keep it upright hovering should feel the same on the negative side, like, you know, pulling down on the sticks. So, um, I don't know about the trimming. I, I, I'm in the, the days of like with the fly brows, you just, you never trim. You never use the trim buttons. Um, usually when I was flying my, uh, helis on a DX9 or DX8 previously, I would actually disable the trim because you don't trim fly brows units. Um, they see the trim as an input. So like if you click the trim to the left on the, say your, your right stick to, because it's drifting to the right a little, trying to compensate like if it was a plane, it would actually just see it as you, you know, pull the stick Moving to the left. The stick. Uh, yeah. yeah. For a split second and then returning it back to center. So I'm not sure about that. Um, the, the best way is just follow the manuals on the blade helis. Um, once you get into the more, um, kits and you know building a helicopter from a kid and and putting like you in uh, a fly brush unit like an icon or um v control neos or any that those type um i could definitely help you more with those just because i'm more familiar with those nowadays um uh, if any of our listeners know the answer for this question and have a 230s and it can help cj out uh feel free to just post it on our our Facebook page and I'll refer CJ to that and he can take a look or I'll copy and paste that post and, and put it into the email reply back. Nice. Uh, we had an email from the federal public of Nigeria for, uh, it was something, something to do with millionaire and dollars. And I, I didn't respond to that though. Why not? We could be sipping my ties on the beach right now. Well, they wanted some money up front. So I, I figured it was a scam. Oh, well I can sip my ties on the beach right now anyways, but go ahead. You suck, Fred. Warm weather, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have any pod bean? Yes, we do. Uh, Sweet. We have what was that? <laughs> a guy named. <laughs> that was my as I click on pod bean. I'm going <laughs> to waste some time. Um, BVGHJ. He liked episode 74. Fun flies and help, help, help. And uh, episode 77. Just hanging. Mark Ritchie and Gina Tucker both liked our second annual Freefall RC HeliFest 2017 episode, which Steve sounded like he was at a stadium. 
It sounded yeah. massive, dude. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great, except that my voice was the only one, so it's kind of weird. It's like I'm out in the audience in a big stadium, yeah. and you guys are in the studio. Like, yeah, so <laughs> back to you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Monster Man 440, uh, Rockwell 45240, and SJ Oblom1 started following us on Podbean. So, thanks, guys. Thanks for all the. Awesome. The Podbean likes and for following us on Podbean. Sweet. iTunes review. We have uh, two. I think I think it's two. I don't remember reading the one, so if I read it before, I'm going to read it again. But uh, we have an iTunes review from MWC Irish, and it's entitled Help, Help, Help. I can't stop listening <laughs> to this podcast. Nice. <laughs> um, he well, says... Uh, he says, I have been listening to the Freefall RC podcast ever since the RCHN podcast quit making new episodes. I'm loving the content, especially the helicopter stuff. Steve, Kevin, Chris, and Fred are great hosts and keep the show moving and entertaining. Listen to this podcast and free our skies. Nice. Five stars. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Look and at that. Then, you beg a little and, you know, people leave some you, <laughs> reviews. You, you beg a little, you pay a few people off and people leave reviews. <laughs> Yeah. And he mentioned my no. name too. Yeah. He mentioned, yeah. So I know so he's reason. up to date. Uh huh. <laughs> says June 5th. Yeah. There was one from June 4th by Fast Fred 529 entitled Somebody Write a Review. And it says, Too much helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> and he writes, Too much helicopter talk. Mix in some planes for the dirty old plankers and some quadcopter talk. <laughs> now, now that's a product <laughs> of my own heart. But he uh, has five stars. So. Mm. Nice. That's Fred. Well, thanks, Fast Fred. So, thanks, guys. I, I promise that's not this Fred. Yeah, I was wondering, is that you, Fred? <laughs> yeah, I thought you set that up yourself. <laughs> I, I might have come up with a little bit better alias if I was trying to, you know, sneak. <laughs> that's <thing>. true, right? <laughs> <laughs> might have been but Fast Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but All thanks, right. Guys. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, all right, drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read the review on the next episode. Email us at freefallrc at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash freefallrcpodcast. Don't forget to check out our webpage, freefallrcpodcast.com. Um, I'm going to advise Chris and Fred to submit some pictures to Chris, get some more stuff on there. Yeah, I, I um, noticed he picked the picture of me. <laughs> may not be visible in the picture. I was just digging up a sewer at my mom's house and, and had cut the second house locked up solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, send them some new but stuff. I did have a shirt on, so that's, that might have been what was the appeal. Yes, it was. All right. Flight Test Forums, Off the Field, Audio Video Production, Other Than Flight Test Podcasts, 34C Podcasts, sitting next to the Flight Test Community Cast. Hey, Patch Hello, Mike. Ah, I'm always wondering hey, who's going to... <laughs> hey, Chris Reiber, since... Oh, yeah, say hi to Chris. <laughs> hey, Chris. Yep. Chris got a new jet. Chris got a Did new you... jet? Yeah, he got a new jet. Planker. Nice. No, no, no. He is, yeah, he's, he's being a planker this week. But um, curious. Let's take bets. How long is he going to have it? Huh? Huh? One week? Two weeks? Three weeks? Oh, huh? I, was gonna, huh? I thought you were going to say which jet's going to fly first, his or the one that I got from him that's still in my... Oh, that too. You need to, to get my, that uh, fixed. <laughs> no, well, I need a runway. 
Trump's got to spend some time golfing somewhere else. So he's I can not have golfing. He has back. a house in Bedminster now. I know. Well, he's had that house for a long time. It's just yeah. I think I think he lands and goes golfing and, and ah know, okay, and that's the whole reason he's out and about. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. RCHellyHangouts.com uh, under RC Helly Hangouts main section podcast corner, and you'll see us there next to the RC Helly Hooligan. Hey, Walton Ed. Yeah, what right. said. yeah. What he said. Thanks. Uh, thanks again, Bert, for coming on the show. All right. So, Bert, if uh, any of our listeners wanted to contact you, um, maybe ask you a question about your product, or just you know maybe give some thanks to what you do in the hobby, uh, how would they do that? Um, they can contact me at. They can go to Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Bert RC B E R T R C. Um, I'm on Twitter too, Bird RC. I'm actually um, uh, Facebook Messenger through there as well, or um, they can email Bert B E R T at Kammerer K A M M E R E R dot name N A M E. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, thank time. you. Thank you guys for having me. That was fun. That was, yeah. Uh, a um, lot of uh, talking about the past, which is kind of cool. It reminds me of my own life. No, actually, seriously, <laughs> like it's been, it's it's been a while since I share some of these stories. So that was that was fun. Thank you for, well, that, awesome. for having me. I was smiling because, like I said, you know, I grew up in the '80s and and stuff, reading all the all the RC modeler magazines and just drooling over the stuff that I couldn't afford. So uh, yeah, I definitely remember some of the stuff you were talking about. Same here, man. That was the same time for me. And you're seeing those same helicopters on Craigslist for 400 bucks. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> like yeah. new. Yep. Yeah, yep. like new. Never crashed. <laughs> Collectibles. Uh, well, you know, we, we thank you. If you ever want to come back on and share some more stories, maybe some fun fly stories or any other stories you want, just let us know. You're more than welcome to. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. So talking about the podcast, with Bobby, maybe we'll have you all of you guys, and then we'll be the ones interviewing all of you. How about that? All right. Ooh. Yeah, we'll do, do it. I, do I get to talk about drones? <laughs> we can talk about absolutely. Like I, I can talk to him about his advertising drones. Bobby and I had our own drone business, FPV mm-hmm. business. So yeah, yeah, we can talk as much as you want about drones. I think I'm sick that night, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to well, fly down to Florida that night. We're going to do two shows. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you again, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for the I invite. Did. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to listen to this episode because it's probably over an hour. Yeah. <laughs> he may or may not listen to his own episode. I, I think he'll listen to it until we go into. All right. So what's next? Uh, yeah. News and announcements. Off. Yeah. <laughs> all one right. One last thing, dude. I'd like to say, uh, if if you guys want stickers, um, send me uh, your information again. I, I kind of got lost where, where I left off and, and who I owe stickers to. So if you want them, just send them, send us your um, address again. Friend. Yeah, I got I got one for you. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll get them out. Yeah, I got one for you that I'll forward to you um, to send out. All right. I actually have to, I have to, I have to uh, get some more. Cool. All right. Okay. Thanks again. Thanks to all listeners. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. See you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, that was an awesome show. Very awesome. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, yeah, yeah.